you're listening. I just, I just don't care. No one is ever kidding Michael Cole. Of course he can roll a grudge forever. This is wrestling. Welcome back to This Is A Work. My name is David Hensley, and I am here to introduce the soothing ambient sound of rain and your brand new host, Robert Three Dogs Brafford. Thank you, David. Uh, before I move ahead with introducing my co-host, Three Dogs, we're, uh, we're going with that? I don't know. I just wanted to piss off two dogs. For Feels like a three-dog night. Yeah. He, dogs abandoned this child that we helped create, like leaving an orphan on the steps of a church. So I decided you've got one dog more than him. We can discuss nicknames later. Yeah, when, when we're done here, we can uh, walk 50 feet to the left and you know, vandalize his house or something. That works for me. All right. Well, I am indeed Robert, nicknamed TBD Brafford, hosting this podcast under Freebird Rules with Chris... Still the flashing plate, Barnes. Yes, the flashing plate. I'm adding my own little flair on everything here. One that's not my name. Two dogs, you sound different tonight. Well, I've been working on my impression of him, but figured that'd be a little too much to hold on to for the, what do you think, two, two and a half hours we're going we're gonna to make David sit here? I hope to God not. I, I provided <laughs> you guys with your own monitor with the uh, time on it. So. so we can see it just whiz by as we t- keep talking. It's a magnificent piece of uh, producer passive aggression. We'll uh, be ignoring it as we go. Sounds good. That sounds about the You usual. don't have to worry about Mr. Mc- McKensley over here. <laughs> All right. Well, we are here to talk about AEW Double or Nothing, their 2023 event, the uh, fourth one of these they performed. Uh, let's see. Was in Las Vegas, which I believe is the same place that all of those events have been performed. Usually, yeah. yeah. So, uh, good show overall. Ready to get to talking about it. I just want to uh, introduce my own little flair. Uh, anyone who listened to the last, this is a takeover. Um, I mentioned this as sort of a little thing of mine. I'm someone who enjoys um, a good a good whiskey, a good uh, liquor in general, but I'm especially fond of. Uh, bourbons and scotches. So uh, for every one of these I do, I'm going to just pick out a beverage to enjoy both during the show and during the recording, create a spirit of continuity, if you will. Uh, this one, because the one of the, uh, I hate saying this, double main events of this evening was a four pillars match for the AEW title. I selected a Four Roses single barrel Kentucky straight bourbon. So it's a nice uh, variant on the uh, Four Roses blend. Uh, and I thank you for sharing it with me, Robert, as always. Cheers to your new job as host of this show. Thank you very much. All right, so. I drink nothing by nobody. Let's do this. Yes, indeed. All right, so starting the show off, uh, let's see. Not really much to talk about on the pre-show. Um, thankfully, AEW doesn't tend to make these things into two-hour affairs. It was just sort of um, a little talk-up, one match, and then they started the entrances. Um, the only thing really before the uh, pre-show match that I noted was that um, it's sort of a four-person panel with uh, Renee Paquette, Stokely Hathaway, and Paul White. And uh, somebody was definitely having a lot of fun putting Stokely Hathaway next to, next to Paul oh, White. Oh, yeah. No. Just and they, 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 also, they also didn't have them seated at a table, so you knew this wasn't going to take too long. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like they know that having to listen to that for too long is boring and stupid. Yep. <laughs> Cut away to Arn Anderson, soothing us with his dulcet, probably armed threats about his uh, oh, they were. match later on. 
and then yeah so the opening match the pre-show uh was Ethan Page and the Guns, that's Colton and Austin, versus the Hardys, Matt and Jeff, and Hook. Hey, Jeff's back. Yeah, let's, uh, let's see how long that lasts. Um, I, I just, I feel uncomfortable watching him. I, I feel uncomfortable seeing him on TV. Just, he's just got the face of somebody who's been through so much, and I feel like we've got a long chain of evidence. To this, this is not something that's good for him. Yeah, just uh, feels feels uncomfortable to watch on a lot of levels. Like with Matt, it's just the uncomfortable of oh, this this man can't bend his knees. But with Jeff, I'm like, I, I really don't know that he should be here. <laughs> I I mean, I've got nothing to add to yeah. that because it's, there's nothing really. There's no new ground to tread on that. There isn't. It, it's it's sad because you know when I started wrestling or started watching wrestling uh, in the late '90s, it was right when the Hardy Boys were kind of on their uh, their mm-hmm. big tear and uh, then WWF and. You know, I'm from North Carolina. They were from North Carolina. They just, um, I don't know, it was a tag team that I kind of cottoned on to. And, yeah, it's just kind of sad to see them uh, hit this point in their career, even if I um, I enjoyed everybody else in the match. I thought um, uh, good to see Hook on a pay-per-view. And the guns were just in, like, peak form. They were mm-hmm. bouncing around that oh, yeah. ring. Just every time one of them took a bump or a hit, like, they'd just cartwheel out of the ring. So... I mean, what I enjoyed about this match was pretty much just watching Hook and then Colton and Austin. How about you? It was. It, it was It was a good match overall. Um, and, I, I, yeah, you're right. You know, the, guns, the, the guns look incredible, and they were in that ring proving why they did, uh, they're there. Yeah, they got – um, it was a little controversial that they were, had the, uh, the tag belts for a little while before losing them to FTR, but I think they'd put in the work. That was how they eased them off of the acclaimed so yeah. the FTR could have them. Yeah, but even as like one of those kind of uh, intermediary teams, I thought they did they did well by their run, and I'm, oh, sure. I'm glad we haven't seen the last of them. Um, not much that was super notable in there. There was uh, one bit where Jeff uh, went up for the I think the whisper in the willows, and just his his left foot completely missed the Supposedly rope. Supposedly he was selling an ankle thing, from what I heard. I wish I could. But then he completely that. forgot to keep selling it, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, he just slipped and fell off the turnbuckle. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, I, I know this is the nature of kayfabe, but uh, I don't know. An intentional screw up still looks like a screw up in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean it does, and it, like, I, it would be more forgiving if he was like, I, yeah, like I said, paying attention. That's what makes you think it's not something that looks like you're. It's a part of him's being worked is you know you quit paying attention to it, and it's like, well, okay, so you just fucked up. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the the opposite of whenever uh, Brian Danielson has a match and his opponent starts working his neck or he takes a really, like, nasty-looking bump to, like, his upper body, and he'll just twitch for a moment, and there's just going to be that second where we're all like, oh, my gosh, did it finally happen? Oh, sure. But that's that's working the story, and we all know that. And there's nothing he loves more than freaking people out with that kind of stuff. Really isn't. (laughs) But, yeah, so, uh, let's see, match ends with, um, uh, let's see... Ethan Page. Oh, right. I almost forgot to mention it. Uh, the stipulation on this match is that if uh, the Hardys and Hook win, then Matt Page owns Ethan Page's contract. This is one of those wrestling matches where a human being is on the line. Oh, fun. Didn't think that was legal in this country. but no, no, it's a- well, I, well, famously, uh, Dominic's uh, parentage was decided in a, in a ladder match. So. <laughs> 
True, a long and glorious tradition, and it continues tonight as... Look, uh, look, that's the rule of wrestling. You settle everything in the ring. Even if it's something that should be immediately handled by police or the courts, it's no, you just just tie something to a pole or, or suspend it from the roof, and you say, fight over it, whoever gets it first has it. It's it's like the purge. All other laws are suspended oh, yeah. until until this has been resolved through through uh, men throwing each other around in tights. Mm-hmm. I say with great affection. All right. So let's see. That one. Uh, yeah. Ends with um, Ethan taking a twist of fate from each Hardy, and then Hook uh, locks him in the red rum, makes him tap out. Um, Taz mission. It's always going to be Taz mission to me. Yeah. No. <laughs> if he looked more like his dad, he could maybe get away with it. But it's still <laughs> one of those things where I'm just like. One man has a neck, the other does not. How? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you can tell which genes came from which parent in a lot of, pla- in a lot of t- places. <laughs> I actually don't know what Taz's wife looks like, but I have to imagine there's a lot of like blanks being filled in there. <laughs> um, yeah, like, so... Um, like the Jurassic Park DNA? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah, she, she is the frog that they, uh, they had to put into the T-Rex of Taz. To, oh, this metaphor is going weird places. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide on from that one. But yeah, uh, so I gave that uh, two Meltzers. I'm going to sure. continue the uh, Meltzer rating system, though I uh, do have my own way of calculating it. Um, dogs allegedly had a way of doing this through numbers, but I've I sat, doubt this. I've I still sat don't next believe to them, it. and I've seen the spreadsheets. I, I don't. I don't know that I believe it. Dogs's metric system made no sense to anyone but him. Well, here's the thing: he would he would loudly announce what number he thought the match should be, and then adjust it how based on how he felt. There's no hard math to this. <laughs> Famously, as it has been pointed out many times before, he has been known to say, this is an amazing match. I loved every second of it. It was perfect on everybody's part. I gave it a two and a half. <laughs> so um, if you don't mind, actually, I was going to break down my, uh, sto- my scoring system real quick, just because I think that might help listeners kind of get a sense of where I come at this from, just as a, as a fan and what I look for in a wrestling match. Um, I just scored across four four categories, which is uh, storytelling, how this uh, the match worked, bell to bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did it start when it did? Why did it end when it did? What were the through lines? Was someone selling an injury? All that. There's angle. It's why do we care about this story? Why is this match happening when it ends? What's coming next? Is this the end of a feud? Did uh, a run-in cause something new? How, how excited am I to see the next chapter for these people? There's execution, which is... Um, just essentially, how's the technique? Are these guys landing their moves, communicating well, good pace? And then finally, there's pop. Now, pop, I will admit, is just kind of the question mark category. That's what I can use to kind of move scores up or down as I feel like it. What connects with the crowd? What are the big moments? What What's something so insane or unbelievable that just hooks everybody in? Um, I just So I give every one of those a rating from zero to five average that out and that's my match score sure yeah i don't i don't that believe works. i don't believe in negative scores a zero is a match that just fundamentally fails at storytelling so five's the highest zero is the lowest you say that but now i'm looking forward to the day we watch something so terrible you go negative i'll, I'll be just staring at, at the spreadsheet just like trying to figure out i'm like there's got to be some way that that google sheets will let me do this royal rumble 2018 <laughs> ah that was a time that was a time Brock Lesnar and I are cool now. We've uh, we've made peace. I've I've come to accept him as a wrestler, and he does not know or give a crap who I am. So, it's 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 a good arrangement. Yeah, no, that sums it up. All right, so yeah, like I said, uh, two Meltzers for the uh, pre-show match. Uh, 
solid, nothing, nothing remarkable, but uh, apart from just kind of the general questionable feeling I get seeing Jeff Hardy competing after all of his, uh, his issues, it's still a fun, fun time. I feel like to, to Matt's detriment, he's pulled back into this, despite the fact that I understand why, because it's like he was slowing down, he was doing something different, um, and then, you know, when Jeff jumped ship, it was, you know, he, he, he said he was going to, you know, Matt, I think, has said he's going to end it as a hardy boy with Jeff. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see where that goes. All right, let's see. Uh, not much else on the pre-show. Oh, they had a little announcement for the uh, upcoming uh, Owen Hart tournament. Yes, they did. Um, and they are continuing this weird tradition where the, the winner gets both a trophy and a belt. But is it both? It looked like both because I remember. I um, know they got. I know they have the weird belts. Yeah. <laughs> Which last year was uh, Adam Cole and Britt Baker won. I think they wore for like a week and then. Yep, they we had it. We haven't seen them since. Got his and hers. Uh, yeah, uh, watching that with Gina, she was really convinced that Cole was about to propose there. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you got your moments. That's a, wouldn't have been a bad one." Well, what's well, what's a ring gonna be in that situation? You've already <laughs> got giant belts. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so then I think right from there they go to starting. I actually like this a lot. They uh, do the entrances for the uh, the battle royal. That's the yes, opening the, match for the the main pay per view. The blackjack battle royal. Yeah, they they decide they spent the last ten minutes of the pre show. Also, a, a, it's smart because it gets them out of the way and it also entices people to be like, hey, if you haven't bought it yet, you can still you can purchase the paper. Yeah, just getting to watch everybody come in and it's it's yeah, they had a great lineup for this they battle a, royal. They had a wild bunch for the international oh, title. It was really interesting actually because even though it's a singles title, I think pretty much everybody in there was there as part of a faction. Yes, I don't yes. think I was, I was looking over the list that we had and I don't think there was anybody in there. Who's I think not I think aligned. that was also a time saver because it was like since there were so many people who were also all, part of a team or a faction, it was like just send them in together at once. Yeah, and probably. Probably, yeah, both for entrances and then just during the match itself, which we can get to get into in a second, but just mm-hmm. a very straightforward of like, all right, so it's these three against these four and then these two against that three. And all right, so let's see, yeah, just moving into it. So yeah, 21-man Blackjack Battle Royal. Uh, and they also did something smart where they had at least half of the people outside the ring fighting first. Yeah. So that there, there, were enough, there was enough space in the ring so people could start getting off their spots and work through their stuff and then work their way into the ring and out. That was, yeah, that was really fun, especially with some people being kind of strategic about when they entered. I think it was mm-hmm. um, Commander, one of the Lucha guys, he uh, had a great spot where he ran across the ropes uh, from post to post and then does like a, I want to say it was a... It was a dive onto somebody. Yeah, I think it was like a, just a, a flip, um, just like a sent onto the outside. But and, he hadn't gotten in the ring yet, so right. he was still active. And so we were all sort of like, did, did that just... And no, it turned out that, I guess, you have to, like... Your whole body has to break the plane of the ropes. I don't, Feet have to touch the, the inside of the ring, I think. There we go. <laughs> I, I think... I, I imagine it will work the same way going out does. Both feet have to touch. That makes sense. Yeah. And then you had, I think, uh, Swerve was just kind of staying up on the ramp, just oh, yeah. kind of watching everything from a distance for a little while. Until he, d- yeah, didn't try to fight, didn't interact with them, just waiting for everyone to tire themselves out. Yep. Yeah. And again, it's a classic, like, you know, cowardly heel move, but it just looks so cool when he does it. Um, it, it overall, this was, a, this was a fantastic battle royal. It was just a great start oh, to the show, yeah. I thought. Um, like I said, I, I loved all the Lucha guys in there. You just have guys who that were... That was great. They teamed up and started taking on people. Yeah, just... The, the thing about that is there's, it's like a constitutional 
inability not to go up to the top corner or over the ropes or something, which is a terrible idea in an over-the-top rope mm-hmm. battle royal, but eh, I think in their defense, only like half of them got eliminated when somebody like kicked them off the ropes or shoved them off a turnbuckle. Yeah, pointedly, there was only like, I think, one or two eliminations where it was like they made a move for the top rope and they got they, they paid for it. But it was just really great to see Strong off. Like, yeah, um, Bandito got to do that uh, that sort oh, of hanging his, suplex that he does where he just... I swear he starts with them like as less than halfway up just because he can. So he just can show like the audience empowering them all the way up. It's just crazy. Yeah. Bandito is someone who has the look and the moves. He looks cool and is cool. They, I mean, I'm okay with how this match came out, but I, I would love to see uh, one of the guys who came up from AAA end up with this international title or oh, sure. like the TNT or the world title down the road, but I think, definitely. I think the only thing complicating that is the fact that uh, certain companies don't work with NJPW. Yeah. So I think if they wanted the international title at Forbidden Door, that certain people couldn't win. Yeah, that's a fair the, point. I, I don't know the, the exact details, but that, that's that kind of I think that kind of narrowed the field on a couple of guys at least. Yeah, it's always. I mean, I think we've gotten so spoiled by just the the number and variety of uh, per- promotions that have lent performers to AEW that you. Oh for, yes. it's, it's easy to forget there are still politics and egos and, and all these other things yeah. that have to be navigated. We have been spoiled. It's the WCW undercard on steroids. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah, this is one of those things where I'm just like frantically trying to note down all these spots as they happen. So <laughs> there's um, a lot. There's a lot to try and remember. I, I mean, honestly, it's just worth seeing the replay. It is, and it it does that great thing that like when you you've got so much of your uh, of your roster involved in this match, it's just a great time to be like, here's a quick snippet of this feud that like Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee are having with yes. uh, Swerve and his associates, or. Um, uh, Ricky Starks against uh, Juice Robinson and mm-hmm. Jay White. Just you can do like snapshots of all of these while these guys just have you know here's a spot or two to just show off oh, yeah. what they're capable of. Um, that's that, the best thing. That's the best thing about modern battle royals. It's just you. It's like again. It's yeah. It, you're right. It's like a mashup. It's like everybody is fighting all at once. But then again, he's like here's here's this feud weaving itself further, and then this one, and then this one. Yeah. And then here comes somebody doing something really cool. <laughs> there was more than enough. There was like, uh, I think Big Bill, formerly, uh, Big, formerly Cass. Big Cass, I think he got the uh, a real chance to show off because he hasn't he, really. I mean, not only yeah, not only just overall because he they let him be one of the final four too. Yeah. So I mean, he, they have clearly have good, big ideas for him. I didn't count carefully, but I think he probably had the highest elimination total. I, I feel like I saw him uh, take out at least four, but it could have been more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great showing by him. Uh, let's see. Yeah, kind of one of the big through lines was Keith Lee and Swerve because eventually Swerve does get in the ring yep. and keeps trying to kind of ambush him from behind. And eventually that's how Keith Lee goes out as he's trying to uh, get Swerve over the top. And then um, Brian Cage is able to get him out. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, yeah, wow. I just was trying to write down spot. But anyway, so it all comes down to uh, the final four of this one. It's uh, Big Bill... Swerve Strickland, Penta, and the champion himself, Orange Cassidy. Yep. Last four. And so Penta goes up pretty quickly after an exchange with uh, Big Bill. And then uh, mm-hmm. a little bit later, Swerve does the, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll step back. You got him. And then immediately eliminates Bill Oh, the immediate Bill betrayal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they were working together. And then Cat, well, actually, sorry, I almost said Cat. Bill, Big Bill started, you know, 
mouthing off with Swerve, and they <laughs> it was funny because they both were ma- they they made some nice faces to the hard camera. It was like ooh, big man type of thing. And then and then like right you know right as Bill started doing it, that's when he betrayed him. Yeah. And then you've got your your final two, and sometimes this is something where it's just like all right. Quick flurry, and then one guy's eliminated in five seconds. Mm-hmm. And other times, like with uh, I think it was Cody Rhodes and Gunter at the Rumble, you have like a whole separate match at the very oh, end. Oh yeah. Of it. And here I thought they just had I mean because both guys had to be really exhausted, but they had a really intense like back and forth that went on for a while. They um, did, yeah. I uh, I think what helped is I know there was at least they had a good chunk of time where they were off in the corner. Yeah. It was sort of had Cassidy off in the corner so that they could probably save up for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, there were definitely a couple of... And great, the nice thing about being Orange Cassidy is nobody ever questions if you're just, like, lying down doing nothing oh, yeah. in a corner during a during a battle royal. Um, at one point, um, Ca- uh, Cassidy's looking pretty beat up, and Swerve decides to uh, take the extra step of taking... To mock him, uh, yes. Yeah, and taking his own hands and putting them in his own pockets, which I think it was... You were saying it in the room. I was like, no, no, that That's powers him up. <laughs> yeah, you've unlocked his final level. And so, yeah, he does, like, a, he counters an elimination into a DDT with his hands still in his pockets. They fight to the outside. And then there's just, again, I, I never get tired of how Orange Cassidy, every big moment of his match is something you see and you're just like, yeah, only this guy could do that. In this case, it's when Swerve is like, uh, he, he tries to stomp off the rope, lands on the apron. Uh, he's uh, swaying. He's got one hand on the ropes. And Cassidy does the laziest kick just to his <laughs> wrist, just tapping it to break his grip and send him falling backwards. And I don't know if it, I think I don't know if it was you or I think it might have been you who just mentioned how Looney Tunes it was. Yeah. Well, either you or Dave, because it was. Just, I remember just like because it was just uh, it's just like this. <laughs> it's very much though like his, his wrists are just like flailing as he tries to grab for the rope that's yeah. falling away from him. It was a oh my gosh, such a, a great great elimination. Just overall, yeah. Um, Loved that match. Great opening. Seemed like it really fired up the crowd. Uh, I gave it four and a, four and a half. Yeah, just across the board. Um, I, I honestly did not think uh, Cassidy was going to hold on to the belt there. I thought that, you know, because he's had uh, just a, an insane run of title defenses, I thought this mm-hmm. might be the time. But now it's like he, he's going to hold on to it through Forbidden Door. It's matches like this that I watch that make me feel like at a different time or in a different life, I might have been as much of a fan of this sport as the two of you are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll watch Orange Cassidy. I'll watch Swerve. I'll watch these great matches. And then, like, we'll go and watch WWE, and I'll be like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) Give, Give me more Orange Cassidy and less Roman Reigns, and I think I could be a legitimate wrestling fan. Did you know there are people who believe the exact opposite as you do? I'm certain of that. Uh, I see so many of them on Twitter, and they disgust me. Well, that's your first mistake is being on Twitter. Eh, it's the, not the last one I'll make. The number of people who are treating uh, Roman Reigns reaching a 1,000 days, holding a title in a, in, in a fixed sport. Come on, guys. Let's, let's be real about what this is. I ranted about this. It's just like, okay, th- this is an achievement he had because a guy in a room with pen and paper decided it. Like, well, let's, th- this does not make him one of the all-time greats. Also, in this day and age, with no territories, no travel, and, you know, the, you know, the fact that we see them, see, we, there's like two, two specific shows and plus other appearances he makes a week. I ranted about this before. It's like th- the number's meaningless. It doesn't yeah. matter anymore. 
this he's no we're not in an era where he goes from town to town defending defending uh the belt and you know he has to keep it on him so that word of mouth can get out about how good a champion he is he's been on tv the whole time and what do those 1000 and whatever days mean if he hasn't wrestled for 900 and something of them nothing <laughs> Which, Nothing at all. I, I don't. I think Orange Cassidy, in the time he's had the international title, has actually defended it more he time has. than Roman Reigns has. I don't know the exact side by side numbers, but he absolutely yeah, has. Because he, he, he won it in early early this year, early twenty twenty three. Yeah, and he's had something like twenty two, twenty three title defenses at this point. Yeah, and that's the thing is like like Roman was only ever guaranteed to be wrestling at a pay per view, so that's at least. I mean, well, ch- putting the title on the line. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I did not mean to turn this into a Roman Reigns rant. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good point to bring up. Yeah. It really is. Because, yeah, that, that number means nothing. It's just another accolade they've tacked onto him that doesn't mean shit to me. And it's ultimately what I, why I'm still, even as AEW's, I think, hitting some growing pains right now, while I'm still seeing them as just kind of this, of what's needed in wrestling right now, because... It feels like it's built around taking talent and finding it and, and putting it on a stage and enhancing it rather than the WWE mode of taking everything, fitting it into our mold, and then serving it up right. in the way that we will tell people to accept. I also need to point out that that number is also extra stupid because when they showed off the list when he finally achieved a 1,000 days of the people he was also up there with, pretty much everyone else on that list was a face. They were holding on to that title for so long because of the, the setup of the regions and the territories. And on top of that, they were faces. So the whole, the whole attraction for them was to face all comers and win right. and retain. He's a heel. The whole point of him having a title to hold on to and retain is so that to build up for his loss. Yeah, like he is there and he succeeds so that you can cheer when somebody beats him. Yes. That's how he exists in this ecosystem. I mean... Like, going down to MJF, like, the idea of him holding on to this title for, like, two or three years is insane. I, I hope he has a long run. We can we can talk about him a little bit later. But, like, you know, like, he Tony won't. Khan has, like, two yeah. or three people in the back pocket. He's like, this guy is going to be the top of the company when he takes out this guy. Like, any, I don't, any criticisms about Tony Khan, whatever. But it's like, he under, also understands when it's time to drop a belt off somebody. I don't know. Now I'm really on board with the idea of MJF holding onto his belt longer than Roman. If anybody could and could make that work and stay fresh, he'd have a shot at it. No, I I want him to do it by one day. I I disagree. (laughs) Again, it's gonna, it's going, like, there's nowhere for him to go. Yeah. If that happens, there's nowhere for his character to go. Because, I mean, yes, part of the MJF thing, and we can get, we'll get into it more later, but. Part of it is like yes, you can tell in his matches he is scrambling, he is panicking because he's like, oh shit, I'm yeah. gonna lose, and then somehow he doesn't, and he's like, yeah, I am the, I am still the best. <laughs> fuck all. He literally goes like, fuck all you. Have Have you seen the clip of him of just his audio during this match? Again, we can get that later, but yeah, somebody. Well, like, yeah, I, we'll save, we'll table that for later. Yeah. I, but yeah, it's just it's it's an interesting dichotomy, and even MJF would not want to do that. No. I, I have fully think. Well, I mean, if you ask him in public, he's going to lie. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, but, he, but he, he seems like he has a good sense of business. Very much so. 
I think admittedly it's a little easy to get off on this topic because I admit we're coming up on a match after that great battle royal. This next match really didn't do as much for me. Uh, this is Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho in an unsanctioned uh, match. I uh, thought it was fine till the end. Yeah. But- <laughs> Uh, so this match had uh, Sabu as a special guest enforcer. It's not really clear what he's enforcing in an unsanctioned match. He chased everyone illegal. else to the back, and then they all sat down to have a nice meal. I'll give him credit. Yeah, <laughs> Sabu was not within 90 seconds of the match starting. Everybody was gone except for the two competitors. So oh yeah, he, yeah. He he did his he did essentially his well. yes he did his job and yeah it's like it. Even even in his older age, he, it's not like he wasn't a menace the entire time out there. <laughs> Yeah, give him credit. He went up to the top ropes and uh, leaped would be a stretch, I think, falling no, with style. No, and at this point, I mean, the, who uh, can blame him? His, right. his knees are probably shot, but he he got as much air as he could. And does a table spot, too. I think it was uh, Matt Menard of the JAS on the outside. Uh, yeah, one, he, one of the, one of the uh, 2.0 guys. Trust me, he hit that table better than he sometimes would in his prime. <laughs> I can believe that. All right, so... Yeah, so but it is actually interesting because, yeah, uh, Roderick Strong enters with Adam Cole and the whole JAS enters with Chris Jericho, and then they pretty much all clear out, mm-hmm. which makes a certain amount of sense because they've got anarchy in the arena it coming is. up, and you don't want to have too much of the brawling factions thing. That is what the enforcer was there for. He helped clear the ringside so that the focus was just Cole versus Jericho. Yep, and then we've got just kind of your your basic uh, weapons legal um, well i should point back out and forth. Uh, the the stipulation of this match which i didn't know until they announced it was this is this is unsanctioned it's not it's not being recognized by AEW uh, Aubrey is just there to count a pen basically which makes it weird that they had a contract signing segment for it uh, last wednesday but that's again, i mean you could just call works. that a glorified waiver i mean yeah. if you ever you want to explain it away that is that is weird that uh, there was a contract they're for they're signing it. a space rental for the ring separate from yeah. their AEW contracts <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah it's 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 yeah cuz it's like it's it's more like an unsanctioned match I'll get there when we get to the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun match. Yeah, overall. I mean, th- these these guys are both really good. It's mm-hmm. it's great to see Adam Cole back. I don't I don't know if you've seen any of uh, All Access, but um, some of it's just kind of your general like reality TV storytelling. But mm-hmm. actually, the bits about uh, him going to you know see specialists when he's recovering from his concussions. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, dealing with just kind of the side effects, the dizziness, and all of that. Like it seemed like there was a period where you really wasn't sure he'd be able to make it back. So it's it's really good to see him. Nice. Not just back, but in a match that's pretty physically demanding. And Jericho, as always, just seems really just happy to be putting over the the ones that he kind of views that's, as like the, the, that's the one real positive, stars. Yeah, that's one positive you can always give Jericho is he is very enthusiastic about uh, about rising talent and like if he if he feels like you're worth it, he's he'll put you over big time. Yeah, it's funny that really the only face turn he's really had uh, during his time in AEW was so that he could feud with MJF. And right. it, it lasted for a little after that, but I feel like that was really the main thing where he's like, well, this guy's such a good heel, he can't possibly be facing our feud. So. No, that's, that's true. All right, I'll, I'll put the good guy shirt on for just long enough for that to work. And yeah, that's what he's doing here. He's uh, just being the bad guy that Cole can righteously beat senseless. And they and they do have a, a fairly wild match uh, that culminates in Jericho grabbing the sh- the, the long shackles. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. they officially call it. it. It is it's 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 like that's like I looked at those and I was like I think a BDSM dungeon is missing. It's like something. a leash length set of handcuffs. It is. 
Um, yeah, and it's weird because he, he puts one cuff on Cole's wrist. And and it's, then, yeah, it's definitely not for dogs because they're cuffs. They're yeah. not- <laughs> and then he sort of walks around kind of swinging it and just showing it to the crowd. And it's not really clear what his next plan was because, again, that's a really long chain. Like, yeah. if he cuffed it on Cole's other wrist, he'd, he'd still have full range of motion. I, I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess he could have, like, handcuffed it, like, through the turnbuckle. But we'll never know because, of course, Cole rallies, attacks him, and then just puts the other one on Jericho's wrist. So they're tethered for the rest of the match. Um, and, yeah, they continue to fight, and it becomes an impromptu, like, kind of like a, an impromptu bull rope match because they, yeah. they're now chained together. Um, oh, there's one bit where uh, Jericho grabs a kendo stick and then Britt oh, right. comes out. and That's right. Britt did intercede, yes. Yeah, because uh, Jericho, being too much of a gentleman to attack Britt directly, had uh, instead handcuffed her boyfriend to the ropes and then made him watch as three other women beat right. Britt senseless. Right, um, right. But yeah, so she comes out, lays into Jericho with a kendo stick, and then uh, she and Soraya go fighting to the outside. Uh, so, Which, again... For an unsanctioned match, that's a limited amount of outside interference, I think, just sure, because yeah. of everything they've got stored up for later in the evening. But, um, yeah, so ends with uh, kind of an unconventional ending for one of these types of matches. Um, unconventional? Wrong? Yeah, so uh, just to give a quick summary, um, Cole hits, uh, his, hits the boom. He does the running knee to the back of Jericho's head, and then mm-hmm. instead of going for a pin, wraps the chain around his knee again, does the move a second time. And then rather than pinning him, he wraps the uh, chain around his forearm and just basically starts laying into Jericho on the mat. And after about five or six seconds of this, uh, Aubrey Edwards uh, signals for them to call the match. And I think everyone in the room had flashbacks to a very bright red light and a goofily colored cell surrounding uh, a clown man covered in ladders and chairs. So... Here's the problem with this, and the crowd knew it too because they were not happy with the end of that match either. It, the problem is it's an unsanctioned match. It means that none of AEW's rules and regulations apply. Again, like I said, Aubrey is there to basically, as a formality, count a pin or, or, a, pin or a, a submission. She's there to basically signal the end of the match. Yeah. She should not be able to call a match even though Jericho is ostensibly unconscious and being hit with a chain. It's like, that's not... She has no power to do that ostensibly in an unsanctioned match. And I think the the fans also knew knew that. And it's just like, it's this idea of... It's, it's like when a movie sets up rules for how something is supposed to work and then in the finale just decides to break those rules to have an ending and it's just like you have to follow your own rules and when you don't it comes out unsatisfactory and i think that's that that kind of nosedive things a bit for me i guess and i I agree with you that it just felt wrong it just didn't it didn't feel like the right crescendo for something like this I'll give it a little bit of leeway because arguably ending a match with one wrestler unresponsive is a legit ending. It's like if, right. if, if Cole had locked him in a chokehold and Jericho had gone limp, right. it would have been valid for Aubrey to call the match there. My issue with it is that it just felt like it happened way too fast. That like sure. Jericho takes a, like a, a hit and he goes down and then he's taking hits on the mat. I feel like we needed another few seconds of him just Aubrey being completely... Needed to, Aubrey needed to check him and be like, oh, he's a super unresponsive. We need to stop. Yeah. That would have given me a little bit more. 
Cause, cause I, yeah, I, I, I know I, I could tell what they were going for. Cause Cole wasn't going for a pin. Right. His whole, the whole, yeah. the only thing he wanted to do was beat on Jericho. Yeah. So yeah, it does, it does put that, it, it is a, it is a, a good idea for an ending, but for that, I would have done, not done unsanctioned. Yeah. That, that is part of the issue is I, I do find myself wondering, did this really need to be unsanctioned? If anything, just like you could have Aubrey get like incapacitated. Although, again, that's something that will come up later. But you, if, if you really want to have them go vicious at each other, just have a, a ref-free few minutes. Plus, yeah, plus, I mean, I, I, get, I get that you had to have something happen or step in because to let that continue, it drags on long enough that you're going to turn Cole when you don't want to turn him. Right. I mean, the, the whole build-up to this was about establishing all of the legit reasons he has to hate Jericho and just mm-hmm. want to cut loose on him. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably had enough leeway that he could have been a little more vicious in that final beat oh, sure, to, to justify sure. there. But yeah, no, it, it just, it, it felt... I again, think that's part of it. It didn't seem like this was more vicious than what had preceded it. Yeah. And in that way, it's just like, well, it just seemed like just though the match just ended. Right. And especially frustrating because an unsanctioned match is supposed to be like, okay, we've exhausted all other options. This is the only way to settle mm-hmm. this. But uh, I think it's uh, after the end of the next match, there's a segment backstage where Jericho and Soraya announce that they're having a, a mixed tag match with yeah. uh, Cole and Britt Baker on Dynamite. Which it's like, Yeah, yeah. An unsanctioned match is supposed to be like, okay, right. fine. Nothing, no rules. There are no rules we can impose to make this work. You're on your own. Solve it. Yeah. So it's like, what, 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 ends, the ma- what ends the feud after this, if not legally being able to just do whatever violence you want on the other person a mixed tag <laughs> i guess that's going to be the I, way. that's what they're going with can't can't fault them for one to, and to, if it's entertaining great but i mean yeah. i don't understand the direction that yeah that may i propose the loaded gun match no no like austin and colton have to do like eight shots before they come down or oh no like 10 paces and turn match he wants to give them a loaded gun in five minutes of quiet. <laughs> this is my ongoing theory about how you make all sports better. Add a blood loaded sport? gun. Yeah, blood sport. You want blood sport. With special guest enforcer Brian Pillman Jr. Oh, yeah. no, Arn's right there. <laughs> Football, better if you had a gun. Well, Hockey. Te- I mean, they start with a gun. It's true. Just keep it going throughout. <laughs> One player on each team has a gun with one bullet in it that they can use at whatever point they want during the game. Can you imagine the unprecedented and, frankly, insane cheating that would happen for, over the gun? <laughs> I, I'd watch more football. I think uh, it might make... You're right. The, the things people would do to acquire the loaded gun might make the game unsafe. They're going to um, tamper with the oh, gun. Their what gun? are they going to do? Get a concussion? <sighs> Man. Ritualized violence. What are we even doing as a society? So anyway, what's the next match? <laughs> well, let's see. So uh, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. I'll give it uh, two and a half Meltzers. And I will say credit. They did call it as Cole's victory. They didn't just. Oh try yeah, to say no, 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 they, they did. Yeah, it was it was called in favor yeah. of Cole. Yes, it wasn't. It they, it did end suddenly, but there wasn't like a uh, uh, no contest or shrug. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, another reason that I didn't have too bad of a flashback to uh, the Seth Rollins fiend catastrophe. Uh, that one's just going to hang out there for all time. As well it should. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so next up, the AEW Tag Team Champions uh, Championships being defended by FTR against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Oh, this was some good old-fashioned Looney Tunes bullshit. Yeah, this was just fun. I've, I've, was I've so actually, fun. I've really come to enjoy uh, Jeff Jarrett. I can kind of take or leave. I know he's a legend <laughs> and been around forever, but I, I have, love You I know love what? Lethal. I'm pulling a dog, and I'm really starting to enjoy his presence the more it makes him unhappy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... I, I there are some cases where, because Gina hates him, uh, Gina, host of uh, This Is a Takeover and uh, uh, wife of myself. Um, yeah, she she hates Jeff Jarrett. And I, I, <laughs> there are some wrestlers where I, I get like a perverse counter enjoyment from that. But yeah, Jarrett, I, eh. But yeah, I love Jay Lethal, love Sanjay Dutt, and I actually really enjoy Satnam Singh. I appreciate that they're not trying to push him too hard. These right, just, he was not intrusive in this match. He yeah. didn't actually do. Uh, much of anything. Thank, uh, he was just there to be an imposing threat. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch anything that he did. No. But um, and I said it at the sh- while we were watching. Sanjay Dutt is having far too much fun than he ever did as a competitor. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like you know, an actor's told like, all right, this is your prop. This prop is your character, and then mm-hmm. they have to spend like a million uh, hours coming up with different things to do with it. And he's done that with this pencil. Like that pencil is well, its own had, personality. He, he it had a friend this time because he yes. had a pencil behind each year. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I, honestly, I, I love the fact that it's like, it's like, here's the thing. I'm kind of on the opposite side. I could take or leave FTR. I get how they're a great tag team, but they're whatever to me. So I really enjoy, I really enjoy uh, lethal, not lethal, lethal and Jared's old school heel antics. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like FTR a lot generally. I do feel like they're still kind of clicking back into their rhythm. I'm not sure if it was mm-hmm. the time off from uh, Dax Harwood's injuries. I don't know uh, if it's something else. But, yeah, I feel like I've seen them at 100%, and this just sort of – it feels like they've been kind of in, like, 75 to 80 for the last little bit of their run, which for them is still, you know, good wrestling. But Sure, sure. I didn't, I didn't really mean it like that. I did, They just never clicked with me. And just oh, like over, just across the whole – Overall, yeah. I, I, I don't mind them, but it's just like, eh. <laughs> There was one uh, fun bit as they were coming down to the ring because uh, Mark Briscoe, who's the uh, special guest referee for this, mm-hmm. um, requests the belt so he can hold them up to display. And uh, uh, Dax Harwood hands his over, and you see uh, Cash Wheeler looking around like he's not sure where his belt is. And Dax has to lean over and tell him, it's still around your waist. <laughs> <laughs> and so he passes over. and uh, But, yeah, they uh, – yeah, overall, like I said, old school heel antics for mm-hmm. uh, Lethal and Jarrett. Oh, and yeah. I think having Briscoe which, there. Which, yeah, which which was even more fun because they subverted them a lot because it's like Briscoe, super, like a veteran tag man, would always would, would pick up on what Jay and Lethal were doing and stop it most of the yeah. time. I think they had a spot where they tried to do the, oh, yeah, no, we, we tagged. You, you weren't yeah, looking. The, and, the classic, we switched out and they just they clap and make a, yeah. they make a tag noise. So the referee in that situation, when a, when a face is trying to get in, is like, no, no, you get out. And he turns around and he's like, and he heard, he's like oh, you heard, I was like, I heard a clap. You tagged? Yeah, yeah, you tagged. And Briscoe immediately turned around and was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he was, and he had his, uh, his referee shirt had uh, camo mm-hmm. stripes on white, yes. which was a nice touch. Um, I appreciate that this is um, that like the drama of this has been um, his friendship with FTR against his friendship with Lethal and his mm-hmm. somewhat forced new friendship with uh, Sanjay Dutt. But all of these friendships are in the context of the years these men have spent beating the holy hell oh, out yeah, of each yeah. other. 
that like FTR and uh, the Briscoes had a year of like three of the most insanely it was, violent. It was the tag Briscoes' matches. final feud, yeah. Yeah, but and then it just it makes perfect sense that it would be like yeah, and so that's like you don't even have to like step out of kayfabe. Just like yeah, that's those are his best friends right there. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, so yeah, um, Cash Wheeler spends a fair amount of time as the uh, as the face in distress. They have mm-hmm. a lot of spots where um, he'll almost make it to the edge, and then. Um, Jared or Lethal will pull uh, Dax out of the way. Um, oh, they they did do the the Briscoe. He had a lot of fun with the the spot where Sanjay Dutt follows into the ring. To he didn't he didn't see him touch anybody, but he, the John Sanjay Dutt got in the ring, and Briscoe's like, "You're causing too much trouble," and he sh- throws yeah. him out. The full year out of and here. And Sanjay Dutt sells it like someone hit him. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that was awesome. So, yeah, he sends him and uh, Satnam Singh mm-hmm. out. Um, but, unfortunately, this causes a distraction that uh, Jarrett can use to try to hit Dax with a guitar. Oh, my God, this whole which, thing. Yeah, oh, and here's man. where it gets pretty wild because uh, Dax avoids it and Briscoe takes the guitar. So, yep. he is out in the corner. Ref bump. And then yep. Aubrey comes out to... Uh, well, no, no, who comes out? Is, so, yeah. so they uh, FTR, they hit a big rig on uh, Jay Lethal after that, and mm-hmm. they go for the pin. But since there's no one to count, that's when Aubrey comes running out. And Sanjay just plants himself in her way. Yep. Doesn't touch her, doesn't, like, put up a hand to shove her back. Just, but he keeps blocking yep, her. Just yep. steps left, steps right, and just will not let her go around. Uh, she finally does just shove him out of the way. And then Aubrey takes a guitar from uh, Karen, Jarrett. Karen Jarrett. So we have a ref bump before she even makes it to the ring. Which yeah, that's Aubrey going the extra mile. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's and which is actually kind of unfortunate because then Lethal hits a, a double lethal injection on FTR, but he can't make a pinfall because his own side right. has taken out the referee. Um, when uh, eventually Briscoe gets back up, there's a uh, that's the risk you take. Sometimes you get caught up in the cheating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're just doing this now. We don't even have a plan. Just nope. breaking every rule that comes in front of us. Um, uh, Jared gets pissed about a two count that uh, Briscoe counts when he's back up, uh, tries to get in his face, and uh, Briscoe takes more of that than I would have expected. But mm-hmm. when Jared finally just slaps him, uh, Briscoe slaps back. Yep. And is more than happy to count the three when uh, Jared gets the big rig from FTR. Yep. So, yeah. Like I said, good match. A lot of, lot excellent, of heel antics. Excellent. A lot match, of fun. Yeah. I think that match actually had more of a chaos sense than the unsanctioned match did. There was just a wildness it to really it. It really did. It was surprising. Yeah, I gave it uh, I gave it three and three quarters Meltzers. Let's see. It was it was just it was just a fun just a fun all nearly just like it was weirdly in control and out of control at the same time. The kind yeah. of thing you the kind of energy you want in a wrestling match yeah. like that. Well, it's the kind of chaos where you can kind of tell everybody is where they're supposed to be and the yes. beasts are landing. Yes. There's no like chaos of oh nobody knows what to do next or oh shoot that person hasn't made it out in time just to, like everything has to be really firing on all cylinders that uh, well, not to not to harp on it anymore but then the pre-show i know that that happened at least once matt hardy missed a cue yeah uh, and they had to, they had to kind of repeat it real quick yeah that is one thing i i do always love about ftr is you watch um whether they're faces or heels, like mm-hmm. you watch any segment where there's like a hot tag or something, the way those guys get into position for everything, yeah, you'll yeah. just see like one guy tear through and both of them will just be bouncing up and getting into exactly the right place for the other guy to make the next move. They work well with just about anybody. See, I really love that. While a good thrown together tag team can be fun occasionally, yeah. Um, 
the guys who are we are a tag team and we are in this together like simpatico i love that yeah and then uh, let's see. After that, there's a brief segment backstage because FDR don't get a break. They have to rescue Ricky that, Starks. That was inter- yeah. That was interesting. It's like, like like they came off the, their big win and they come in and they help their good buddy Ricky Starks. <laughs> it's like we were just heading to actually heading to catering. We didn't. Uh, oh, I, I guess while we're here, we can uh, chase yeah, these guys White, off. And Jay White and uh, uh, I feel bad because I uh, forgot his name. Uh, uh, Mr. Tony Storm, Juice Robinson. You, yes, they attacked Ricky Starks while he was giving a quick interview. Yeah. Which I'm glad. I, I know Starks has had to kind of step back a little bit since his run at MJF, but yeah, yeah. I know there were a lot of people I think wanted him in the four uh, the four pillars match, and I really can't see that match looking any better than it did. But no, no, I, I don't know if he's quite there yet again. It's one of those things where I'm glad, I'm happy with the way things are, but I, I watch Starks sometimes, and I'm like, I'd, I'd watch the other version of that too. Uh, let's see. Uh, yep. Then we have we actually have kind of an interesting thing where we have a, a recap video for Wardlow and Christian because they're the next oh, ones yeah, up, yeah, yeah. and then they have the backstage segment with Jericho and Soraya, and then they cut back to the ring for Christian's entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, Tactile neck. <laughs> yes, his, I, his ring gear is actually Evil a sleeveless college professor Christian. This was not a very lively crowd across the board, but they did get a turtleneck chant going yes, for they him did. at one point, which was <laughs> which was pretty great. Um, and a astounding display of uh heel overconfidence uh christian has a dinosaur accompanying him to the ring but sends him back uh backstage before he makes <laughs> it to the bottom so i mean oh yeah yeah dude yeah, I, I respect your uh respect your enthusiasm there man but i i mean that is that is a little sad that you know luchasaurus got himself done up in his gear <laughs> for yeah. that quick cameo I'm, I'm glad he showed up again later but it would have been kind of funny if that was just yeah it. <laughs> And sir, not appearing in this match. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah. So, um, Wardlow, it's it's really weird to think it's it's been one year since um, MJF and oh, Wardlow right. had their match, and there was right. that, that whole their match in right. quotation marks. And he had been on such a streak from there, and that was just a complete it was screeching halt to it. So I'm glad he's yeah. I'm glad he's back, and I'm glad he's... You watched his momentum screech to a near halt in real time. It yeah. was unfortunate. It really was. Because everything about the MJF angle overshadowed it. Yeah. Which worked for MJF. I mean, look at him now. But that is one of those cases where I'm like, I, that that doesn't feel kayfabe. And that it, was a legit jerk move. And really, it, it it's taken all this time to really almost this point to get Wardlow back on yeah. track really like, he's had to like get past like both Samoa Joe and Will Hobbs to mm-hmm. to be back here with the belt which I mean if you're gonna build a guy up that's a good way to do it but um I did really like this match though oh this, um, yeah it was really good I appreciate that Christian you know despite the whole TLC history that he's got wasn't really going for any super insane spots so. no no I think it I think it plays to his character and just his, his general the general sense of his persona because it's just you get that feeling is like i'm not taking unnecessary risks yeah it's like i'm not that i'm not that that young anymore which it, you just appreciate in general because he he's still looking really good in the ring at his age mm-hmm. compared to certain other people of that same era yeah and someone also i think made the point it was i think it was the ring of honor uh the tag team ladder match where uh, dante martin broke his leg Ooh, yeah. somebody just made the point that 
a lot of modern ladder matches have just become like escalating spots, yeah. which are cool, but it's also just like you've got to do something bigger and crazier and more and you dangerous. Really, you really don't. You really don't. The drama is can you get one over on the other guy and get the title? It's like yeah. you can it's like you just need to definitively ground him. You don't have to like get wild. Like I, I saw outside I don't I don't know. I don't it's like really one of the best ladder matches in history is HBK versus um, Razor Ramon, yep. and they they don't do a lot of high flying spots. And I don't think they do any off the ladder. I don't, yeah, that was. I don't remember. It's I have watched it. It's been a while though, but I don't. I think and maybe HBK comes off the turnbuckle, but it's like yeah. the ladder is just there to be climbed. Which I, I've liked a lot for this one. You've yeah. just got um, most of the spots are just trying to set up the ladder, and then there's a mm-hmm. lot of. Uh, them getting hit by it. There's a nice yeah. bit where uh, Wardlow tries to get the ladder in the ring. Christian drop kicks it uh, across the apron, <laughs> yes. hits him, and then uh, Christian tries to like go off the ropes and go through, but Wardlow's back up and just throws the ladder back into his face. Yep, yep, so. yeah. Those are those are simple and easy ladder spots that are also effective and brutal looking. Yeah, and uh, of course, like Christian, like you said, he didn't do he he avoided doing really high risk stuff, but he still. Took a ladder and you know, was it what was it the ladder or the chair? He wedged it into the uh, ring post. Uh, I think that was the ladder. The ladder. Yeah. Yeah, and he would just he used the ladder by slinging Wardlow into it. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, you had um, it, it's. I always forget that Christian is like six foot three. That he's really big for like normal person standards. There's a, there's a lot of wrestlers like that. That's like they yeah. they're they're tall. They're they're taller than average, but it's just like in a field of people that size. It's hard for them to really stand out until yeah. you see them in like real life or yeah. next to someone who's like a, a more average size. Yeah, so of course this doesn't uh, doesn't just stay confined to Christian and Wardlow. Eventually, uh, let's see, I think after... Um, oh yeah, Wardlow does a pretty awesome. He uh, picks up Christian in a, in a gorilla press, mm-hmm. spins him around, and then just drops him onto the ladder. Oh yeah. Uh, and with him out of it, Wardlow starts to climb... And uh, that's when Luchasaurus comes down. Yes. And uh, gets involved. Uh, <laughs> I forgot well, see, about this. Because he takes out the ladder, right? Like he hits it and it bends. No, yeah. it's the ladder that Christian landed on. Yes. That it, takes it's, damage. It's warped, it's damaged. Wardlow's trying to use it anyway. <laughs> and the ref is like, no, like, no, let us get you a better yeah. one. <laughs> like he, he was trying. I think Rick Knox came in for a moment to try to steady that and immediately yeah. saw like, no, the, that is not going to hold up. Absolutely not. Yeah. And they, they, they switch out for a new one. A smart tactic, and it's yeah. something you like to see. And and I take it back. It's like when Luchasaurus came back out, it was like, it was. it's interesting because it's just, a, I, I do, thinking about it now in retrospect, I do like the fact that Christian did wave him off to the back again. It's just, but it's just a reminder. It's like, oh, Luchasaurus is here. Yeah. It's like, I don't need him out here right now, but... That's a surprise for later. Chekhov's dinosaur. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, and then we get Arn Anderson, of course, coming out. And that's right. Um, he was in Wardlow's corner. Yeah, he did not have his gun, so admittedly, not not quite no. a match. There's a there was a brief moment where was. everyone was like, w- there was a brief moment where everyone was like, is he gonna spinebuster Luchasaurus? He, he sets up behind him. He's mm-hmm. going into the crouch. He's ready. Uh, he does something something wilder <laughs> somehow. Yeah, uh, Luchasaurus grabs him for a choke slam, but he has put his hand near an old man's mouth, and that is just always a mistake. Bad news. The teeth were in. <laughs> but yeah, no, Darn Anderson tries to uh, bite off Luchasaurus's thumb. And there is a wicked effective blood pack because it, it 
He's the got only, blood streaming from his mouth mm-hmm. for the rest of the match. Yeah, it's like the only thing is like there was a bad camera angle, and I happened to see the pack in his oh. mouth right as he was a bite, about to bite down. It was like, oh, something's about to go. <laughs> uh, no, I think that was a piece of skin. I think it was a piece of thumb flesh. Clearly, must have. <laughs> That's how and, it already been. It was there before again, his teeth I, came I, down. I don't, I don't know for sure, but it looked like they maneuvered like a fake bit of thumb onto Luchasaurus's I was thumb? wondering if that was supposed to look, look like kind of a, a, it looked a bit like, of a stump or something. Not a stump. I think it was meant to look like he bit the top off. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, yeah. Which, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a fun hey, moment. As long as you don't hold a camera on it, it looks fine. Yeah. Let's think. If you, if you really catch that on first viewing, that's when it's become a problem. But if they move fast enough, yeah. Eh. Easily forgivable because this whole match was fun. Oh, yeah. It was great. Wardlow, uh, uh, toward the end, uh, ends up putting Luchasaurus through a table via yeah. la- he hops off a ladder. Yeah, it's the it's the highest ladder because they always have at least one that like is actually tall enough from the outside. To I reach know we the were all kind level. of yelling, "Why don't you take that ladder and put it in the ring?" <laughs> but there's a dinosaur on tables, and some opportunities only oh, come fine. along. I know, I know, he's got a name. I just like to keep oh, referring Wardlow. to the fact that there's a dinosaur in this in this wrestling yeah. event. Again, Wardlow also took the other, like, I would say major ladder spot. It wasn't like a huge dive or anything, but he was going to, like, get Christian up for, like, a powerbomb through a ladder they had put on the barrier to the ring. Uh, and then Christian cr- uh, crotched yeah. him on it. Yeah, it takes out his shin, and he just yep. does, the, does the fall. Yep. Oh, another great Christian moment. After, um, after uh, Wardlow does that uh, huge sent on... Um, they cut to the camera. Just this is very nicely positioned. You see Christian do sort of that Kilroy style, like he, slowly poke he his did. eyes it up. It felt like the a reference side. to McMahon at WrestleMania, I think nineteen, <laughs> when he faced Hulk Hogan. Yeah. When he was when he crept his bloody head over the end. Of, like yeah, yeah. Are they gone? Yeah, he looked up after Wardlow. I think did the table spot with uh, Luchasaurus. Yeah. <laughs> and again, all clear. Great, great spot on this. He he gets most of the way up, and then Arn pushes the ladder over, yep. and Christian comes off it and lands perfectly in a powerbomb position from Wardlow. Yep, he, he, yeah, he lands into Wardlow's onto Wardlow's sh- Wardlow's shoulders, and uh, eats a powerbomb, and then Wardlow climbs to get the belt and retain. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I I love that. So match. good. Yeah. It's, and yeah, just a reminder that you do, you don't need like 450 splashes. You don't need like eight ladders stacked on top of each other. Yeah. It just it felt very fundamental in a way that honestly I think Wardlow does really well. I think there's a real old school quality about him. Yeah, and yeah, and Christian doing such a a, a great job helping get Wardlow over further, coming off of him, uh, literally putting the nail in the coffin on his feud with Jungle Boy. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, he's been working very hard to help people get over. I do feel like of that kind of generation of, of tag guys in WWE, like the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian, I really do feel like Christian was the one who never got the most respect out of that whole group. But I think looking back on it all these years later, he just seems like he has the best understanding of just what you do in a ring. Oh, yeah. Compared, like, it's not just being about spots or not just being about, you know the the swagger or anything but just he he really knows how to put a match together so and i'm I'm just really glad to see him still still working with guys like this so yeah four meltzers for me excellent all right and then uh okay here we go um so this is the point where i actually had to step out for a minute so i missed the opening part of this match but this was jamie Hayter versus uh tony storm Mm -hmm. uh defending the AEW women's title um yeah, so I'm, 
I believe Hater has a legitimate arm injury that she's yeah, dealing and with. I, I think that influenced this. Honestly, yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of what they did to compensate, I think it was fine. I think they did the best they could with yeah. that limitation. The idea was not to drag this out. So how do you shorten it in a way that that isn't in, that isn't like uh, insulting? I would say, and that is cheat the hardest you've ever cheated before. Yeah. <laughs> the the <laughs> the ratio of cheating per minute in this match is incredible. The amount of time that is actually Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm in the ring wrestling each other yeah. versus the amount of time that is Tony or uh, that is Hayter being attacked by Ruby on the ramp or being sprayed with green mist or like I, yeah. I would say it's probably 50-50 if that. You know, and and I and I think they sped up a lot of the match because it's like Hikaru Shida came out to help yeah couldn't you know couldn't stop it but it was i think they did i think they did a good job of being like again you know, like they mentioned the arm injury and though so it's like oh yeah so the heels just play the numbers game and cheat like hell and yeah that's how it goes because because it's like the next pay-per-view is the uh the wembley the english yep. show and it's like all in yeah all in and there's no way she was going to be she was going to go to that show and not either arrive and or leave as champion. So this is going to set it up as a re- for a really good match. And she's had, hopefully she'll have time to rehab enough. Yeah, I definitely think an element of this was that um, there was a lot of controversy around when uh, Thunder Rosa had to relinquish the belt. And yeah. uh, Tony's entire title run was as interim champion, even though it was pretty clear that Rosa wasn't going to be coming back soon. And while they sort of retroactively announced that, oh, yeah, no, Tony Storm was the women's champion that whole time. It was after she lost it. Yeah. (laughs) So I think a big part of this, and I I think Hater might have, I don't know how much influence she would have had of this, but if she was like, all right, I'm not feeling 100%, but I'm going to come out. We're going to have a match. She's going to pin me, and she's going to have that gold properly for at least a short period of time. And and you have to think of it storyline-wise. This works even if the injury was kayfabe. Like, this works perfectly. Because it's like it's the most unfair way you can lose a title. Tony gets another shot. <laughs> Tony gets another another run, and then it's like it's a it's an excellent build to an expected rematch. Yeah. It's like it's like I I think it is like and all in all the ways it could have gone, the circumstances have lined up to make to make their eventual return match a really good match. Well, Chris, my friend, just as as we've been talking, you have you have persuaded me on this. I've actually. Uh, played with some numbers here, and yeah. all right, this match just went up from a uh, two and a quarter to a three while we've been talking. I did it. So I, yeah, you know I what? did it, everyone. Because I was I was sold on the uh, on the angle overall. Because yeah. I I do where they came in and where they're going, all of that's solid to yeah. me. The match itself, I just was sort of uh, it's, but no, I I get what you're saying that it's just like all right, a blitz against that the the yeah. face can't overcome, and honestly. I liked the uh, good story work can can cover a lot of sins. Yeah, I think you know it's like it's it's like how it's like how if a wrestler's charismatic enough, you can forgive a lack of technical skill. I think it's like it, it was it was I mean it wasn't pretty, but it's it did the job I think it needed to do yeah. to set up for a future return in a, a great match. Yeah, because I would have I would have taken points off because I think the sc- the scale of cheating was so much that I was like you know what. Hater's got an injury. She's been attacked before the match. Maybe having her get sprayed with green. But you know what? 
you make a good case for that being like a deliberate like push it far enough cross the line twice yeah i see i I like it that way too or it's like the heels are like well let's just do all the cheating (laughs) we could do this or this or this or or (laughs) but yeah no it was was good and like like you said i'm excited for that rematch too because these two have had a great run of of matches in in AEW so far yeah it just that that whole match kind of just embodies the ventura ethos of win if you can lose if you must but always cheat yes indeed abc always be cheating (laughs) all right so yeah you talked that one up to a three melters on my uh on my list doing god's work yes let's see anything the right way all right, so then from there we go into the uh, AEW World Trios Championships being oh, defended yes. by the House of Black against the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. So Who? Um, you know, that name is familiar. Is there another? I recall the third man being Daddy Ass. There it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Billy Gunn was the guy who used to hang around with those two dumb kids. Daddy Ass is the awesome guy who took his place. That's correct. <laughs> All right, let's see. Yeah, so the, um, the acclaimed won him in the divorce. <laughs> Anybody a, who is who would be listening to this with no idea of what's happening would be so confused right now. If, uh, if that's happened, uh, I would love to hear from you. How did you do this? Yeah. We, <laughs> we grew our audience. How did that happen? How and and just. How did we land on Daddy Ass? I, I know I know how we did because I heard you tell the story the other night, Robert. I've got a PowerPoint <laughs> pulled up I here. Still... Hold on. The audience won't see it, but I want I want David to see it. No. 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 Moving on. Anyway, Daddy real ass. quick, the evolution of Billy Gunn's nickname. <laughs> All right, but yeah, so uh, Acclaim versus House of Black, and this match is being contested under House Rules, which is sort of their own like special set of stipulations that the House of Black has for anybody who challenges them. First of all, mood lighting. Mood lighting. It's uh, a shade below the Mountain Dew pitch black level, but still, <laughs> you know, got a nice, uh, nice ambience to it. Um, and Mountain Dew, we are accepting sponsors if you're still trying to push uh, Code Black or whatever the hell it was called. <laughs> Not only have I never heard of the drink, I've never heard of one of the wrestlers in that match since it's happened, so it's kind of the opposite of successful product placement. <laughs> Mountain Dew, ignore what Robert just said. We're totally open to sponsorship. Do you have any uh, suggested guns for the ones that could be uh, inserted in football? I'm sure we could, like, I don't know, Glock, Smith & Wesson. Uh, you know, give me five minutes and I'll make a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> All right, so With yeah, this lots one of is... bullet points. This one is done with, uh, let's see, the usual, the acclaimed enter with, you know, one of their traditional uh, freestyles ahead of time. Um, I don't have much to comment on that, except that I just appreciate that uh, Max Caster calls out. Let's see, I've got this written down here. I'm not going to try to reproduce it. Uh, Buddy Matthews trying to look so ominous, even though he's being cucked by a kid named Dominic. Yep. Yeah. Ah, Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio just crossing all company lines. <laughs> I was going to say that's a little on the nose. <laughs> Let's see. So then, yeah, um, fun match. Uh, I, I like the House of Black a lot. Um, they've got a great, great energy. I don't know why. They haven't really. I love the, uh, where they took it from uh, Death Triangle. I thought that was a great match. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's kind of a recurring issue where their whole... The way that they basically build their feuds by just sort of doing vignettes and then occasionally attacking people kind of makes it hard for them to build a real, like, heat to the specific person they're fighting. It's true, yeah. I I don't want to say it's quite interchangeable, but there's a certain element where it's like, 
I don't want to say it's interchangeable exactly, but it does sort of feel like the House of Black doing the House of Black thing in a buildup, especially because this match came together kind of late. I, I don't think they were even officially announced as their opponents until the night of. Yeah, they they need they yeah they need someone to focus on for a while. They haven't landed on anybody yet. I don't think. Yeah, so a good match. I like everybody yeah, involved. A good, a good um, match. Uh, I, I, you know, I think there's not a lot uh, to go into here, especially like story wise. There isn't really. It's just like an open challenge. Uh, it was a good match. Everyone gets kind of sprawled out until um, until uh, Gun tries to basically come in on a hot tag, but then he gets routed. And yeah, then, like he, he takes out uh, Brody uh, and he takes out Buddy, and then turns around into a. Uh, a, a black mass and takes the pin. Yep. Again, worth pointing out, Billy Gunn turned 60 in November. Yeah, he, he just looks he, really good in there. Almost timeless, honestly. He looks very, like, he he, he has noticeable age to him, but he still looks fantastic yeah, like, for a man who's been in wrestling as long as he has. Yeah, better than guys 15 years younger than him, mm-hmm. which is still mid-40s, but... Still as athletic, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, overall, there's not really a lot to say, just that it's a... Fun match. I like the House of Black. I Good think solid match, yeah. yeah. They're the right ones to have the trios titles right now. Yeah. Um, there was one bit that I remember, I, th- I think it was you uh, pointed this out when we were watching, that the crowd uh, seemed really quiet, like they weren't into it. But I think you were just like, no, no, they're anticipating. That, that's how a lot of matches go. I noticed, it was like, it was like, I will note that too. It's like, mm, the crowd's being quiet. But I think there's like, they know that it's building to something. Or like the big spots are coming. They know... And Which, they're just they're just waiting and they're just letting it build and letting basically just watching them work a little bit. Which they did in this case with Anthony Bowen spending a lot of time uh, in the ring, just not being able to get back to his corner with the with mm-hmm. the house working him over. And yeah, I think it was Caster who got the uh, the hot tag on that, and that just got that's when the crowd really. It's it's weirdly. Uh, it, it, I don't think it's a one to one kind of thing, but it's almost kind of similar to the the Japanese uh, audience kind of the way a Japanese audience watches wrestling is they'll usually be fairly silent and they will react for the big moves and everything mm. but they're pretty generally re- pretty respectful and quiet I'm not surprised that could be happening but it's also it's like again it's just like they're just kind of like mm, it's like it's building and I, and I think a, I think a lot of the audience respects that and just wants to see it it's like okay then the big stuff pops off and then they're they're super into it yeah which definitely you could hear them wait like really be engaged on the big moments and the and the big hits but mm-hmm. it, it is a little weird for an american wrestling show to have to not have just there being at least one person trying to start a chant every like 20 yeah. seconds or something you can tell how much wwe relies on constant chatter when they oh you know gosh. add some of their own and that's the thing it's like you know what i hear the silences and it's how i know that i'm not hearing piped in noise and so right. you know what I'll, right. I'll take that but again that's i mean that's also kind of the point of a match is like you know n- it's like if people are chanting stuff during a rest hold or, or something slow happening, it's like I don't know if they're really focused on the match so much as they want to make noise. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we, we saw uh, AEW when they came through Charlotte mm-hmm. a little while back, and I, I discovered how much I love chanting along with people. I, I would, it's addictive. I could get seduced into a cult so quickly. <laughs> it's a little terrifying. Look, they've got good chants. I mean, uh, give me the robes. I mean, right. I'm in. <laughs> Free robes and chanting? Yeah, no. But yeah, so you weren't getting so much of that at this event, and it felt like outside of the the matches that really lit the crowd up, like the Battle Royal and then the the double main event. <laughs> um, that's not a thing. It's really not. I hate that it's become that. That's just wrestling. I know you. I know now. you want the world title to be just as important as the the other thing, but it's just like 
just for this night, that's the main event. <laughs> I, I appreciate um, when MJF was asked at the scrum afterwards, he's like, you think I want to wrestle rolling around in John Moxley's blood? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that, that's all you need. But yeah, uh, trio's match, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, I gave it three and three quarter Meltzers. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the fun thing. Like matches, I'm, I'm always grateful for matches like this because you don't always need a, a huge buildup for a, lot, for a lot of matches. Like, yeah, you need drama as a through line, but it's just like, hey, sometimes you just want to see two great teams go after yeah. each other. Some ways the, the, sometimes there's not a lot to say that wouldn't just be trying to go, and then this guy did this, and then that guy did right. this, and then... and. Yeah, the story's in the ring. The acclaim tried to take the titles and they couldn't do it. Julia Hart had a very nice hat and little finger things. Oh yeah, so. she had her silver bugle fingers. Yes. Uh, let's see. So yeah, um, uh, House of Black retains, and then uh, before the next match, we have a promo for AEW Fight Forever. Yes, which, uh, I would very they happily only sponsor. Just, yes, they only just the previous this past week or the right leading up to the pay per view. They finally announced the release date for it. End yes. of June, June 29th. End of June. And uh, I'm, I always am a ga- uh, generation behind on gaming consoles. Yeah. Like I'm on a PS4 now. I wait till the game library gets really cheap. Um, but it is being released for that one, so I'm very much looking forward yes. to trying that. It was back when they announced it, I, the, I think the PS5 had just come out, so it's like they were solidly behind it. Plus, the type of game they're going for is, is like the N64 Types where it's like the the gameplay is the main focus. It's kind of it's kind it kind of has like a um, WWE All Stars kind of look yeah. and feel to it. Yeah, I'm, it's not exactly stylized, but it no, doesn't. No. It's yeah, like you said, it's clearly not meant to be photorealistic of you know the it's, shape of that guy's head or the yeah, way that again, guy's hair. Gameplay looks. and fun is the is the is the uh, focus, especially because they have many games in it. So yeah, which I'm I'm very excited for, and they've they've specified that yep, they're going to be uh, unsanctioned matches allowed, Yay. like blood everywhere. Um, <laughs> Nyla Rose. Intergender, who, yeah, there's going to be intergender yeah. stuff. I, I can't recommend Nyla Rose enough as a Twitter follow. She recommended a, uh, a so mode good. of the game where you have to finish the match before Eddie Kingston makes it to the ring and lights everyone that on fire. Too. That was like, when she said, it, "Was like yes, that makes perfect sense." It's like a, a walking. It's like a Tonberry in Final Fantasy. <laughs> if you let him attack, you're dead. Exactly. All right. So the next matchup is Jade Cargill defending the TBS Championship against Taya Valkyrie. Um. I've actually been pretty happy to see this feud. Um, ever since uh, seeing her on Lucha Underground, I really like Ty as a, as a competitor. I think she brings a fun, like, mm-hmm. power against power energy uh, for Jade, which really isn't something they've done a lot in her uh, in her run as champion. Yeah, yeah. I, I this was really my first match of hers. I've seen. I've seen. I normally. I mean, I know of her, and I've seen her. You know seen stuff about her but i haven't i hadn't really had a chance to watch her in ring stuff this was the first time yeah no she's um she comes from a, a strong uh lucha background mm-hmm. uh so she's done a lot of stuff with like triple a i think cmll okay um had a, a brief run in nxt and then was kind of caught up in the great like wave of releases and yeah the, i remember in that yeah um but i think it it's probably worked out for the best for her she's definitely i think works like much better in like other leagues and other promotions. I just don't think WWE mm-hmm. style really worked for her. Um, cause I don't, uh, one of the things they did to build up this feud, cause a lot of it has kind of the, the transparent secret on this is that it was sort of a stall cause they were hoping to get Chris Statlander back in time to have a feud with, um, with Jade Cargill as she was mm-hmm. recovering. So they brought Ty in, had her feud with Jade and then, um, had their, uh, match on dynamite be, um, with the stipulation that Taya couldn't use her finishing move 
because mm. they actually have the same finisher that sort of um oh, lift okay. up face buster um ty Got calls it. it the road to valhalla jade calls it the jaded so there was a, a smart mark sterling had a contract drawn up that taya couldn't use hers mm, okay. and so that uh that's how jade got the win it'd be funny if she she did it anyway and argued no no i did the jaded not the road to valhalla <laughs> Or just like in court, just be like, no, no, no. The J, the road to Valhalla is like this, but the road to Vilhalla is like this, and just had like Vanilla Ice talking about how he how the song is different <laughs> enough. Just listen to it. It's a little bitty dings. <laughs> but yeah, so this ended up again. It felt like at every stage of the feud, they were sort of like, okay, if, if Statlander's ready for double or nothing, we're gonna like step tie out, and she can come in. Mm-hmm. Statlander's not gonna be uh, ready for a build okay, we'll have them actually have their match. And again, I'm, I was surprised. It only lasted, uh, it was only uh, a little under nine minutes. Not a hmm. long match, but it, it felt good. Like, strong power moves, good trading. I, uh, we had some people in our in our group who aren't big fans of Jade, but I've actually, I've really come to like her. I think she's... I don't, I, again, it's it's kind of like F, FTR. It's like, she, I, like, again, I only really, since again, I don't watch um, the regular programming. Mm-hmm. I so I haven't seen enough, and just what I what I have seen via pay per view is like, I guess. <laughs> I, I just find her interesting because she's a a tall like she's a a power wrestler. Yes. Like, but she's not built the way normally, um, especially in the women's roster. When you've got stronger women, they tend to have sort of trying to choose my words carefully more stout builds like sure. more like developed sure. upper bodies shorter legs jade it's, I think I'll, this, uh, here i'll take the ball it's the strong fat versus the the bodybuilder physique <laughs> well yeah but even more well, than a bodybuilder i think she's got a wnba background or a ncaa right. like she right. played competitive basketball so she's got like a great like leaping pump kick ability and mm-hmm. it's just it's it's not the kind of power we normally see from uh female competitors which right. is something right. i've enjoyed a lot in her run um, let's see. There, uh, I, I am sad that uh, Stokely Hathaway didn't didn't last as her as her manager. I thought that was a fun mm-hmm. ride for a few weeks, but uh, not sure why that broke up. But there there have been some rumors. Um, yeah, overall, not uh, not a long match. Um, but see any any particular moments that jumped out at you? The one where um, after she beat Taya, she uh, Smart Mark Esquire, Smart Mark Sterling reiterated <laughs> that that she would accept any comers, anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. No one has ever regretted saying those words in professional wrestling. No, because that's where it ended and nothing happened. Until several oh. seconds later, at which point uh, a set of uh, a new theme hits and Chris Statlander comes out to the ring and speaking of powerful women she is looking <laughs> like a tank i mean she's she's always been pretty sturdy but like she yeah. like she hit that ring and looked like she could have flipped it over if she wanted to um but yeah so after uh jade retains against taya and gets her uh officially her 60 and 0 record uh she starts another match with statlander um Fails to hit a jaded, and then immediately eats a. Uh, the Big Bang Theory is Statlander's finisher, mm-hmm. and Jade takes her first loss in AEW by pinfall. So we have a new TBS champion in Chris Statlander. How exciting! Because now, now you, have, you can have a storyline of well, now who Jade came in and immediately won the title. So uh, now you have to find out who she is now that she's not the champion. Yeah, that's that's what I'm curious about because I mean. 
there's there's a part of me that again as we, we were talking about earlier the case for keeping the belt on somebody for way too long and just grinding down all competition there's a part of me that kind of wishes we'd had a proper build to Statlander taking this because just the first loss for somebody with that kind of undefeated streak is such a huge moment. But I think after watching the feud with Ty, it was just sort of like Jade's gone through everybody. Like yeah. it's the time for her to lose it. And I get why they want it to be out of pay-per-view. So it's either stall for another three months or just take the big moment, have Statlander win and just get everybody wondering what happens next. It's going to be tough because, again, her whole thing has been that she's dominant and unbeatable. But, yeah, this is – I'm going to assume they wouldn't do this if they didn't have some confidence in what they can do with her next. I believe in it too. Yeah, so uh, between these two, um, I gave Jade and Taya two and a half. Uh, sure. Solid match. Um, Jade and Statlander, uh, I couldn't I don't, really go with that. I, was, I don't know if you can give it a score. Honestly, it's – I almost didn't, but they're, you know, they did ring a bell. There was a pinfall, so <laughs> – I'm, I'm giving Tec- it. It's the most technical of ma- technic- technically it's a match. Yes. Yeah. So, and it, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just no. mean yeah. It, it's it's a story segment that you know happened between bells, but I do give it one and three quarters just because there really sure. wasn't a lot of story. There wasn't a lot of. It's about it's it's something that you have to do sometimes at pay per view, which is just make a hard swerve into the next phase of your story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to see Statlander with the championship. Um, I'm really glad that she's softened the alien gimmick, that it's not really a whole thing anymore because that never really, really landed, mm-hmm. so to speak. But that, that, that was... A, I am so sorry. <laughs> that was David trying to hurl himself away from the microphone so you wouldn't hear him laughing at the joke, but he did not succeed. But yeah, so... Um, Wait, yeah. what joke? Much like uh, Statlander's ride to the arena, it went over everyone's head. Oh. As Robert sips his bourbon. <laughs> All right. So anyway, moving on ahead. Um, oh no, that just makes him think he's funnier. <laughs> yeah. If you, if uh, <laughs> podcast audience, if you don't care for the dad jokes, then uh, you're in the wrong fucking network. <laughs> we're not time stamping these. You're on your own. <laughs> All right. So now we get into the first of our double main event. That's and not a thing. <laughs> it is not. But you know what? If any two matches could make me believe it, this one came sure. pretty no, close. Sure. No, no, no. I, I believe it. I, 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 yeah, that is true. These are both excellent matches. I just, it just makes me think of the... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a short tangent, I promise. Um, when, when WCW licensed uh, the KISS gimmick, the KISS persona for a wrestler, um, it was under the stipulation that Gene Simmons made said he they had to be in at least in a, I can't remember how many a certain number of main events uh, in order to to be allowed to use this as a gimmick. So, that, but um, but uh, so what Eric Bischoff did to get around that when he when it turned out that the guy they put the gimmick on wasn't main event caliber was they would have him come out for his matches in the mid-card, but call it a special main event. <laughs> and that's the special main event moniker is what I think of when I hear stuff like this. Yeah. Unintentional tie together, but... I'm really surprised that more wrestlers don't have side careers as lawyers, because it does, <laughs> I feel like, require your brain to work the same way a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. All right, so yeah, we got our four-way match among the four pillars for the AEW World Championship. MJF defending against Sammy Guevara, Darby Allin, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. 
uh, I think I was wondering if he was going to drop that entirely after the feud with no. Christian, but I think no, it's I still want him to hold of, on to it. Yeah. Yeah, we have a call that's him a Jack, nice, but look, that's a nice harken back to the to also old days where it's just like a man would have a gimmick, but eventually it was just you know just a name, just like a nickname. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many cowboys in wrestling, and most of them just wore hats. <laughs> yeah, long and glorious tradition. Terry Funk was like the most cowboy wrestlers, and he, oh, and wow, he rarely, yeah. and at a certain point, he just, he, he wouldn't wear like cowboy-themed stuff, but I mean, he fought like one. The Undertaker used to actually be a guy who like worked with dead bodies and things. Oh, yeah. That was a long, long time ago. All right, so yeah, we have, uh, so all four guys make their entrances. Uh, Sammy comes out uh, for his entrance and is holding uh, cue cards, which he was something he used to do on Dynamite where he'd show them during picture in picture and just like cut a promo using words he'd written on cue cards. Mm -hmm. This was odd because in this case, it's a pay-per-view. No, there's not going to be any break or cutaway. Other wrestlers have done this before, and I just, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting idea to pull for him. It is, and in this case, it was because uh, his uh, wife, Ty Conti, was out with him, and one of the cards they had uh, featured ultrasounds of their uh, incoming child. Now, are they sure she's the mom? There's really no <laughs> way to be sure. <laughs> no, can, he take, can he take paternity leave immediately? Uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the amount of heat that baby is going to be born into. Like, there's going to be, like, outside the delivery room, like, a bunch of fans Your just parents banging on the suck. window. <laughs> What about Pam? Oh, man. But no, that's that's good for him, and it almost made me... Yeah. You know, he, he vaulted into position as the fourth uh, fourth on my list of people I wanted to win this match. So sure. He, he cracked the top five, thanks to that announcement. <laughs> Are you saying there could have been an accident and, like, uh, David Penzer fell on fell on MJF? And uh, uh, Justin Roberts Justin finds himself Roberts. in the ring, and uh, <laughs> just, I don't know. Just, there would be people above Sammy on, on that... Uh, <laughs> On, on my selections here. But no, actually, uh, on that note, though, I do want to ask, um, was there any point uh, either in the build-up to this or during where you thought MJF might actually be losing? No. I, I Honestly, it's not even because I'm being cynical, not even because I, I hate the idea of him winning again. Right. Uh, it's just like logically, it, it's, still, it, it's still, for him, I, I think they can draw it out a little bit longer. Um, and cement this. I think it's going to come to a to a head at some point, maybe by the end of the year, mostly because of how he left when he left the ring and he was shouting at the camera. One yeah. of the things he said was, uh, "Can you, Tony? I, you need to get me some competition. I'm getting. I'm starting to get bored." Is like that's the kind of thing. <laughs> that's that's like the, that's a famous last words kind of moment. But I think he's doing an excellent job. Yeah, and I think yeah, and he's still really hot. It, it, it's kind of the same thing for me that I was coming in thinking it's it's not the right time for him to lose the no. belt. They've gotten him here. But this is a great chance to show off what these other three guys can do. And, and they did. Oh, by God, oh, they did. Man. Yeah, that whole thing. Um, Darby Allen's entrance was also kind of interesting. Just right in He had a mini match. movie this time. Yeah, he always has his little, like, here's what Darby Allen did today before the match. <laughs> And, you know, it's usually like him jumping over Legally, he shouldn't have filmed this, but here we go. <laughs> just beating the... Okay, this is another case I where I missed the out. first part. Yeah. I missed it, too. Who was he attacking? I don't know. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just... I came back in at that exact moment, and that he was telling the the Elvis impersonator preacher, the uh, the wedding officiant, that he was going to have to help him bury a body. Darby Allen arrested, I'm assuming? 
It, it's it's yeah. cute. It's cu- it was a nice. It was a fun little segment. Yeah, shoot, I, I don't have that, but that that culminated in. Yeah, uh, he gets to the ring, and not only did he accept the help of that nice Elvis chaplain, he accepted a jumpsuit. His from jumpsuit. Him. Yeah, he, he's coming out in, in an Elvis jumpsuit with the Derby painting all down Again, the left a, side. Again, is a fun little touch for because he's, he's even though he's got the paint on and everything, he's usually a pretty dark and brooding right. kind of guy. So the extra touch of him coming out in the Elvis jumpsuit is great. That was yeah, amazing. Just. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, and but of course, not to be outdone for MJF. Uh, once the other three guys are in the ring, the lights go out. Yeah, and we heart, start to hear the. I think it was an orchestral version it of is. his theme. Mm-hmm. And when they come back on, he is on a throne in his devil mask and yellow robe. A throne slash litter. Yeah, being lowered down to the center of the of the stage. Just in full, like, super villain mode. And, you know... It really is. I, I am so happy that that mask was not just, like, a thing to preserve his return back at uh, back at All Out. That yeah. it's actually become just a a thing that he wears to his oh, defenses. Because yeah, yeah. it's, it's such a cool design. And, you know, for all that he is just, like, the weasel's weasel and how he defends it. It's a sure. pretty awesome piece of presentation. So, let's see. Yeah, so... um. Uh, and of course, in the middle of all of this drama, the music, the lights, the you get just the only sound uh, coming through is Tony Schiavone with a pitch perfect. Oh my god! Yeah, that was great. Just a disgusted. Oh, this that guy. Give Tony a bonus because that was just pitch. It was just the exact perfect moment. So as he gets into the ring, I admit one thing that I was kind of curious about was they as they were building up to this for a couple of weeks, um, as you had all three of these guys lining up to say they wanted their shot at MJF. Uh, Sammy had kind of aligned with MJF and was indicating that he would take uh, a payday to lie down and just let MJF pin him and then he'd get a rematch somewhere down the road. And that changed when they um, and, uh, Jungle Boy and Darby had a tag match, which they won to make it the, the four-way that ended up happening. And at that point, Sammy kind of switched back into, no, I want my shot of the title. I'm going to get it. I'm going to fight just as hard as these guys will. And part of me was kind of wondering if that was gonna, if there was gonna be a turn waiting. That if as soon as the the match started, you'd see Sammy like try to knock the other two out and lie down, and then the match, the story would be Jungle Boy and Darby trying to keep it going to get the pin. I think, I think based on on all of that, based on but what I'm they're going for was MJF was trying to manipulate the guy he knew could be manipulated the most because he knew he'd been running with Jericho. Yeah. So he knew it was like, oh, he could just probably play to the, play to another, play to this enough that he could get Sammy to do his more of his dirty work. And you know, I will say, like, the way they ended up doing using that during the match, I think ended oh, up being yeah. a nice spot. So a nice, nice. Spot. I was like, I knew, I knew it was kind of because I was like, there's no way it's this simple. But it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. Yes, yeah. it was. It was an excellent moment. Unlike some people, when MJF grabs a microphone mid-match, you're actually excited to see what's about to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the match is a lot of fun. Uh, as soon as the bell rings, MJF just rolls out of the ring and uh, yep. has to get like dragged in by the others. So a, a, a big chunk of it is like anytime he's in the ring, the other guys are all teaming up to beat the crap out of him. Basically, yes. They only kind of turn on each other when he's out of the way. Oh yeah, when late in the match when he's beaten down enough. Darby Allen, I was like, there were so many great spots. Darby Allen had this absolutely phenomenal spot where I think it was it MJF and Jungle Boy that he had against the railing. 
it's like they, they get knocked out again. They get knocked. Oh out yeah, yeah. They're against the, the barricade outside. He goes off to the opposite barricade, <laughs> does this absolutely mad dash into them, and clotheslines them into the audience. His run on that. It's like his arms are held straight out in front of him, and they're kind of. It's like Kermit his, the Frog. His arms running. were stiff. Like when when you see someone like doing like a robot dance, that's how he was moving his arms because it was. I guess he was trying to show off. I'm super. <laughs> focused on hitting these two. And going by the way he hit them, yeah, yeah. that worked for him. Can't argue I, with the physics. Uh, I know Dogs and I were talking about this during the show. It was just, <clears throat> you know, Dogs, he's a friend of the show. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. What, whatever happened to that guy? Don't know. Hmm. He's dead to us. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Just I, kidding, Dogs. I'll see you after the recording of this is over. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but... Um, what I what I really enjoy the thing we were talking about the great thing about Darby Allen is like he even amongst these guys he's kind of on the smallish side, but he uses every bit of his weight to slam himself into people and use his body as the as like a weapon, just a blunt weapon to just beat people down with. Yeah, there, there's something in the the suspension of disbelief that goes into wrestling where you kind of discount size for a lot of people. If somebody's mm-hmm. not like a giant like Andre or Big Show or Kali or whatever. You know, somebody can be like six, seven, six, eight, and built like a tank, and you can still believe that somebody who's like five, eight can hit them and do damage. Yeah, his name is Spike Dudley. There you go, or or Ray Mysterio. Ray but, Mysterio, yeah. But Darby does this thing where it's like you you don't forget how how much he's outmatched in size, and he uses that. Like he doesn't ask you to forget. Oh he's yeah. Just, he's like, I'm gonna hit them so hard that you'll believe I'm staggering them. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you elaborated on Darby's run because I didn't, I wasn't there for this match. So in my head, when you started describing this moment, I pictured him doing a Naruto, uh, Naruto, Naruto run. Yeah, no, it kind of was, except he just didn't let his arms fly yeah. back. It, it really, it was almost. It looked like the T-1000 chasing someone down <laughs> for a brief second because his, he, it was just, just such stiff-armed arms up in front of him. It was, <clears throat> it was, it was, I will not forget it. No, nah, that, was, that was, this was another one where I just found myself like writing down like moment after moment, even and if then, I know I can't just list them all here. I didn't think about it until someone pointed out, but they all took turns giving their mentors finishes yes. to each other. So it's Darby does a scorpion death drop and mm-hmm. then Sammy does a code breaker. Yep. Uh, Jungle Boy hits a kill switch, and then MJF comes in, With takes the... an extra moment to just kind of smirk to the hard cam, and yeah. does a crossroads. Yep, yep. Yeah, that, that just so a point many. where even if they don't like they don't like their mentors anymore, they it's a sign that they've learned from them. Yeah, and just oh my gosh, that was ah, so many suicidas and like top rope dives, mm-hmm. and this one like the. I don't think, did anybody like climb out of the ring at any point? I feel like you either got thrown or threw yourself out if you. Aside if you from MJF, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there was so like yeah, there's there's a clip on Twitter of somebody just isolating the moments where uh, MJF is is shouting during this match, and they're just great little bits like oh where, yeah, um, the spot where uh, like all the other three guys are all in the um, up in the corner, and like Jungle Boy pulls himself up to do a German to. Uh, Darby, who's got Sammy in a suplex position. Yes. And as MJF's walking towards them, and he sees Darby and Sammy flying at him, he just goes, wait, wait! And then they <laughs> yes. just knock him over. Uh, I, that's what I was going to elaborate on earlier at this point. It was just like, MJF's entire attitude during his matches, especially for the title so far, is great because he walks in with the swagger of, I'm the greatest motherfucker in the, on the planet, 
in the middle of the match, when he realizes, oh shit, there's a chance I can lose, he immediately switches gears between taunting people and then being like, oh god, no! Yeah, just he, his absolute, like, this is not going according to plan! It's like, yeah, the absolute switches between I am going to kill you and I am an absolute terror of what's happening right now. Yeah, and it, it somehow and panicking. all works. Yeah, and then when he wins, it's right back into just as planned, fuck you all. Yeah. That's it's, when the strut comes back. Yeah, and it's so great because he is such a swaggering chicken shit heel and he embodies it and it's just, you believe it at every step. You believe him when he thinks he's the man and you believe him when he when he realizes, oh God, oh God, please no. Yeah, and you believe him when he grabs a microphone and tells Sammy, <laughs> you've got a kid, you need the money, just lie down. And Sammy does... And then immediately rolls him into a schoolboy when yep. he goes for Roll, the pin. Just cradles him. <laughs> and MJF had this look of absolute... I was, it was just like, I can't believe you do that. <laughs> How could you? Why would It was like, why would you trick me like this? Oh, and that sets up that great bit where... Um, after Because uh, Sammy eventually gets him in a Boston Crab. Yes. Um, and oh, then, the double submission. Yeah, and when Jungle Boy tries to uh, break it up, Darby gets him in a leg lock. It's sort of like a, no, not if you tap first. And MJF and Jungle Boy reach out and grab for each other. Oh, no, well, it's oh, not just, that. No, it's because MJF is about to tap, and yeah, Jungle Boy him. rolls over he and stops, catches yes. his arm to be like, I can't get out of my hold, but I'm like, not letting don't you Don't you dare. I'm winning that yeah, title. So <laughs> and then somehow, they, I don't even, I couldn't describe this even if I had the video in front of me but all four of them wind up in like a knot of submissions yes which... they each apply they each apply a a, a, a not a, a hold to each other we're going to be on a very interesting list of people who search for knot of submissions and uh on that podcast now that is that is a it, it's a it's usually it's usually a, a japanese spot that they'll do when they have multiple man matches where they will latch onto each other in some way like that i've seen one where where it's a chain of people who have arm bar, like arm barred each other. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Not arm bar, but uh, uh, arm arm wrist lock or like. Okay, like the roll. Okay, yeah. Or they they each twist, and then the next person grabs the other person's arm and twists it, and then they all like, and then the guy in the end will wrench it, and then they'll, and then it just torques every <laughs> arm in, in in length. It's just stuff like that. It's just like a, it's like a big. It's an impressive comedy spot at, at a time where you don't think it would work, but it absolutely does. That, that, this match really was just full of those moments. Mm-hmm. Like just, you never got the sense that anybody was goofing around, but no. just the, it came up organically just from the ridiculousness of the combinations absolutely. that were going on. This is, this is a match where someone was like, why do you love wrestling? It's like, this is a match to show people. Yeah, and just a reminder that like, it doesn't just have to be guys who look like the rock or like Hulk Hogan power slamming each other. Like that can happen and that can be great. Yeah. But you can also get something like this that it's just, and while I get the criticisms people have for like the spot heavy, like if you get it right, if you pace it well and you let the spots build on each other, that it's not just like something insane happens, but only a two count. If you let it be something like, Oh, it's a huge move, but somebody else breaks it up. Like if you keep it, and there was plenty of that yeah. in the match. But there really was no point where I, all the two counts to me on this felt earned or somebody was there to break it up. And you're, and you're right. This was, I mean, generally a chaotic match, but it flowed so well between all of them. They had such a good chemistry that I, I was watching the whole time. And it was just like, I, it was up in the air to me, up and right up until, you know, MJF retained. Yeah. And that's just again that isn't the happiest moment for me where i know logically what the outcome of a match is going to be and i'm not mad about it it makes sense 
But a part of me just wonders, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if something different happened, I wouldn't be upset about that. No, and it, and, and like the uh, like a bunch of matches, but especially like the uh, the the battle royal is like I was gonna be I, I was like by the end of it I was like this is I'll be fine with however this ends. Yeah, it's like there's not gonna be any sort of upsetting part of this. Yeah, so let's see. Coming to the end of it, there was a great. Um, uh, like you mentioned, MJF's great facial expressions. When he pulled out that diamond ring, he yes. had the greatest like oh wide-eyed, like, of course, this will get things done. And this, and that set off the whole section of everyone remembering, oh, right, there's no actual rules <laughs> to this match. There's no DQs. We can all do this kind of thing. Yeah, so like he goes out and... Uh, actually, I thought this was kind of a fun bit because he goes for the, the belt, and um, but it gets taken out before he can use it. So mm-hmm. Jungle Boy picks it up. And it actually mirrors what happened at the main event last year where uh, Hangman had the belt, thought about using it on Punk, decided not to, and ended up losing. Right. And even though here there's no legal reason Jungle Boy can't use the belt, like you said. He's too good a man to win that way. He's got, his hair is too good for that kind of chicanery. Which is why MJF retained. (laughs) Exactly. And so, yeah, after... uh, uh, but again, he does it in a very uh, the typically like clever MJF way, where right. Darby gets um, Sammy down for yeah, Sammy's down. Darby goes up for a coffin drop, and MJF puts the belt on Sammy's yep. chest. So when so, Darby goes down, he bounces off of that. So Sammy takes a hit. Darby gets 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 his bell rung by the uh, belt, and, and he gets a pin. And he pins him the way Darby yep. does. He does the side headlock takeover yep. into the pin just for that extra spot. So Just for the extra fuck you to the fans. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this match was 27 minutes, 50 seconds long. I would have believed me if you told him it was 10 minutes. It flew by. It really did. I, was, I, I honestly did not believe. I was, had a hard time believing that number when you read it out. It's like, really? It was almost a half hour? It yeah. did not not feel like it like and i was looking because there's really only one point that i would qualify as a rest spot where like all four men were outside right. taking a second everything else it was just like if one guy's recovering the other three are running mm-hmm. around like there was no point where you didn't have energy kept up it was yeah that was a fantastic match um i gave that four and three quarter stars sure um and actually under my system you can get uh Eight, so it's four point eight seven five technically, Ooh. but I always round it down because I think perfection is a goal that should be really hard to achieve. So <laughs> if you get a five on, in on this podcast, it will be because everything was fives across the board. He's tough but fair. Yeah, and even though I admitted earlier that I sometimes just tweak these numbers as we're talking, if yeah. uh, if the conversation goes that way, it's your system. Do what you want. <laughs> but yeah, great great match. Um, would have been a fine main event. I understand why they left the other one be. Uh, last because man everything uh, I mean, that that was pure, that was pure chaos and trying yeah. to clean up after it would have been a, an ordeal it's really hard to imagine that match working if like barbed wire poker chips were still scattered around and thumbtacks <laughs> in the ring and everything else but yeah so next up we have the, I feel like I feel like someone needs to be near the decor for the pay-per-views to chase Joff John Moxley with a broom <laughs> Because apparently, if he if if he sees no one around, he's just gonna wrap barbed wire onto the back of it. It's what, it's bedazzling with barbed wire. Yeah, basically, I feel like that's just his thing. Um, <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So the Blackpool Combat Club: Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta against the Elite, consisting of Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, and Hangman Adam Page. It is anarchy in the arena. So again. A little weird to have this on the same show as an unsanctioned match earlier. Mm-hmm. 
you kind of got the feeling all the really crazy stuff got saved for this one. Yes. To the detriment of the earlier match, but really to the benefit of this one. See, that Adam Cole and Chris Jericho should have just been a street fight. <laughs> yeah, just been like, just something hard. Just to acknowledge that it is a step below the insanity of what the Anarchy in the Arena yeah. match is going to be, because, yeah, that match was just, it was crazy start to finish. And while I'm, I don't always love these matches, it can be a little bit much. In the experience, in the moment of watching them, just the the constant sense of oh, I just missed something when the camera cut away there. Or... I was going to say that's really the the main detriment I have for it's like there is a lot going on and it's separated so that everyone can do their spots and then it's just like there's always a chance you'll miss something. Yeah, and you can only replay so much without causing people to miss other spots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the elite come in first. Uh, everybody enters together. No separate entrances to carry on my wayward son, which is a really fun piece of music, and I'm I'm glad that they've worked out whatever licensing they need to do to make that their regular thing. And then um, we have a live band playing Wild Thing uh, for the Blackpool Combat Club's entrance. Uh, the lead, so we actually talked about this a I, little bit on the way over. I looked it up, yes. It's a band called The Violent Idols, um, and the lead singer, he goes by V. Uh, and uh, there, there, there was a discussion about it, but his his get up for performances uh, is it's it's black face paint. It's not like it's not like color toned. It's just pure black with a black half mask over it and a red stripe down the chin, yeah, the so lip and chin area. It, it's a little jarring for those of us who don't know this band and hadn't seen it before. But apparently, yeah, it is just a regular style of performance. Yes. Um, but yeah, they play Wild Thing live, and uh, the Blackpool Combat Club does the entrance through the uh, through the crowd. And again, I'm pretty sure it's a nod to Moxley's music mis misplaying as many times as they did that that previous time. Yeah. They sing the song about four times, and it only ends when during the match uh, the Bucks fight their way up to the top of the ramp and end up giving a double super kick to the lead singer, <laughs> and that that's what finally causes them to stop playing. And that's that's a yeah, like you said, about eight nine minutes into the match, maybe something like that. It yeah, it's it's a ways into it because, I mean, I, I'm impressed by I I feel like like I said at the show watching it, like Tony Khan said, don't stop until you're given us until the until the signals. <laughs> What's the signal? You'll yeah. know it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's what we all kind of knew this match was going to be, and mm-hmm. meet like the uh, elite go charging up the stairs to attack the the BCC before they can even make it all the way down there. Yeah. Uh, there's fighting. People are in the ring, around the ring. Um, every part of the arena is getting used. Uh, Brian Danielson gets a spot where uh, Hangman like does like a, a bar slide like you'd see in a saloon fight. Yeah. But he puts him on the uh, the railing for the uh, the arena stairs and slides him down. Yes, that that's right. All the way to where uh, Nick Jackson's waiting to hit him with a garbage can. So much stuff happened. Uh, I think it was at Matt Jackson who Claudio basically abducted. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he giant swung. He did a giant swing on him that was on the, the concourse. That the scariest moment of the match for me because there was it looked like a concession stand or something. Near there. Right yeah. there. And Near there. Uh, and I, Matt's getting swung with his head like it looks like just a couple of inches from that corner. Before he hit the trash can, I thought he was going to hit like the condiment cart that was nearby. Yeah, 
But of course, it's it's Claudio, so it's executed yeah. perfectly. And when he hits the trash can, it and they work their over. way to an outside area. There's like a pickup truck that somebody's parked. And yep, Mad Jackson gets pile driven into it. And then while this is all happening back in the ring, uh, Kenny Omega has rallied because he's been, I think, double teamed by Moxie and Yuta. Mm-hmm. Picks up a trash can lid, puts it on his arm like Captain America's shield, and starts laying into people. Yep. So he, like, he oh, takes out so Moxie, good. he takes off Yuta, and then he spins, and Claudio's there and catches the <laughs> trash can lid one-handed. The Winter and, Soldier moment. And it's just like, how did you know? That was like 800 feet in in. <laughs> 45 seconds. No. <laughs> I know you come from a mountaineering people, but that's not possible. But no. Um, yeah. That, that, uh, again, it's hard not to just keep listing like moments across there. Uh, who Was it Nick Jackson that uh, Moxley had the barbed wire poker chip? I think Kenny. Uh, Kenny. Yeah, because okay. I think. Yeah, it was Kenny. Yeah, we're just going over, back to their. They fought over near thing. near the entrance ramp. They flip over one of the poker chips for, like I said, for the decor, and there was just barbed wire, a bed of barbed wire on it. Why? What is this doing here? Huh? Who'd have done that? And there's yeah the bit where they each try to wrestle, and let's see. I think it first starts with I think Kenny getting suplexed onto it. Oh yeah, yeah. And then a little bit later, I think Moxley also gets thrown in. Yep. Like it, so they both end up taking the barbed wire. One of the Jacksons uh, borrows a fan's replica AEW title and yeah. smashes someone with it. Uh, let's see. There was uh, oh Hangman. I forgot to mention he entered with an eye patch on after being attacked with a screwdriver uh, in the weeks leading up to this, and gets the moment where he dramatically removes the eye patch. To he reveal. still has his eye. Oh my gosh! And then extra dramatically draws uh, a screwdriver of his own. <laughs> But then gets the crap beat out of him yeah. by the three guys before he can do anything. Oh my gosh! Like I, uh, I, I, I love Hangman generally, but like yeah. when he puts on like that super scowly, angry face <laughs> at like the goofiest moments, that's uh, one of my favorite things that he does. I always think of like him pulling off like the Stay Puffed helmet during the uh, oh the, the, the inflatable Stay Puffed yeah. costume. <laughs> Pulls it off, angry face. Um. Oh, another uh, recurring thing during this match is that Don Callis comes to the announce table, and we we watch this with a very energetic group of people, so it was very hard to hear anything commentary was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I caught a little bit that like he would come on, and then anytime Kenny would get near the table, Callis would like retreat or like call for the others to protect him. Yeah, yeah, just sort of uh, staying around and sort of explaining why he betrayed Kenny. Um, yeah, we watch with a shouty bunch, and they drink. So, oh yeah, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Oh, and then eventually, of course, Matt Jackson does make his way back to the ring as well. Um, and see, I, I don't, they, they, I don't think they had a way to show it beforehand. But he, he gets in the ring and su- who does he super kick? So it's let's see, Moxley has Nick Jackson in like a single leg right. crab, and uh, Matt comes in, sets up for a super kick, and then what happens? He makes contact with Moxley and his shoe explodes. Just explodes. And and I didn't see this till the replay, but you see it after the fact. Uh, like he had like a pyro spark thing, like a pyro thing that he had put on his shoe. I don't know how they explain. I think he, it would have to have been purposeful because I don't think he accidentally stepped on it. Yeah. That I, he attached and he used to kick Moxley off of his brother. I really don't know how you could like put that on, make it all the way down the ramp into the ring and set up for the move and be confident that it wasn't just going to explode. On right. It. But, it, but you see him hit, you see it drop off his shoe in the replay. It's like, oh, okay. And there's a part of me that, that, that kind of wants to view this as, okay, 
this is established lore. The the Bucks, you know, have used their special shoes before, yeah. like with thumbtacks in them or whatever. And like, they just should have had, like, we should have seen him tug it into place as he came down. The other part of me... Well, he could have, and the camera could have missed it. Always possible with something, like like we said, yeah. there's always this chaotic. But there's the other part of me that is just like, has the wonderment of a child that sees a man <laughs> get kicked in the head and then explode. <laughs> that it just, I'm so happy I had that moment of not... Of having no idea what had just happened. Magic is real. Just like, oh, anything can happen in this world. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had a picture of like right the moment of impact. Oh, it wow. It really looks That's like cool. Moxley's head has been swallowed <laughs> up. It's the craziest thing. But again, as I recall, most of us were, I mean, we were actually kind of upset until I pointed out the replays. Like, look, there it is. Yeah. It dropped off a shield. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was, oh, my gosh. Everybody got, it's it's a great, one of those eight-man yeah. matches. Everybody gets their own moment. Um Let's see. Yeah, Claudio gets to still be kind of like the powerhouse of the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, there was one bit where I think it wasn't when he had Nick Jackson there. It was when Moxley had uh, Kenny. Now, who, I want to make sure I have the right people on this. No, this actually was when he had Nick Jackson on there. And Kenny comes in and tries to break it up with a running knee. And Moxley just goes... Oh, fuck you, is his response to being kneed in the face. Yes, that's then, true. That is true. And then I think Danielson takes out Kenny, and that's when Matt has to come in and break him off. But and just, those are, those are I love those kind of moments. It doesn't necessarily have to be swearing, but just someone reacting, oh, come on. Yeah. Really? Really? Oh, we're doing knees now, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Then just, yeah, every, like, Considering how these like stadium stampede, anarchy, and the arena matches tend to go over the place, most of it really was around the ring and the entrance ramp, which right. I was okay with because it it kept it really as just like it was almost always three on one or four on two. You didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of one on one like everybody goes off and has their segment matches. Which again, since the whole story of this is like it's the group against the group, I'm fine with yeah. that. Um. Oh, and of course the tax come out. Always gonna have. I was, I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to get there. He's like, yes, of course. John, they left John Moxley unattended too long. He got bored and he found the thumbtacks. Um, but oh, just before this, Claudio punted the shoe that uh, Matt Jackson used for yes. this, into the crowd, which was the setup because then they took Matt Jackson and his bare foot and drove it onto the thumbtacks. Yep. And he gets again. He, I, I've seen people get like powers power bombed onto them, or, yes. pa- or slammed, or like miss a a swanton onto it or whatever. Yeah, just seeing a man get his bare foot slammed down on that pile of tacks. And then they one-upped it by putting them in his mouth and European uppercutting him. Mm. Like, I know, it's like, again, I know it's a, it's a safe enough thing because the whole thing is like he's just going to get hit so he can spew him into the air. But, man. It's not fun to think about. No, like, just one goes a little too far down the, uh, down the wrong corridor and... Oof. Also, there's a moment of real-life logic in my head where it's like, once they stuff him in, why don't you just, just spit immediately? Uh, because wrestling. You, yeah, I know. They're holding him by the arm so his mouth doesn't work. Right, of course. Excuse me. <laughs> Let's see. And then um, you, have, you have a great moment where, because uh, Hangman's kind of come back and been kind of closer with the with the Bucks through most of this story. He and Kenny, it still feels like there's some bad blood from their uh, their oh, feud. Oh, yeah, their their tag team Hulk up moment. Yeah, but and there's a moment where they're face to face and they're surrounded by the rest of the of the Blackpool. I'm just gonna say the Blackpool, um, and they just kind of like look at each other and give kind of the weary nod and just power back to their feet and just turn back to back and fight. Yep. 
and then just uh, actually do pretty well for themselves and almost get out ahead, but Yuna comes back in. I actually um, really appreciated that, it, it, well, not, not to jump right to the end, but um, so it comes down to, Callus eventually does come into the ring. Don right. Callis, I think he gets a fork to Wheeler Yuta, but Kenny's able to reverse it. Mm-hmm. Uh, grabs the fork himself and turns to Callus, uh, which I don't know if they showed this on the package, but that was how Callus turned on him uh, during his cage match with Moxley. Uh, it was Callus jabbed him in the, in the I forehead. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, but then before Kenny can uh, take out Don Callis, a mysterious figure rushes into the ring. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what covering he was supposed to have over the top of his head, but it, it had fallen off, so a luxurious mane of hair gave yeah. a little bit away. But yeah, well, he, so I think a lot of people were predicting this anyway. It, yeah, that he was going to show up in one, especially after he wasn't in the Casino Battle Royal, or the Blackjack Battle Royal. But yeah, we see uh, Kanosuke Takeshita charge the ring and take out Kenny. And officially ally himself with Don Callis and possibly the the Blackpool Combat Club. Not really clear if if that's all one group now or if that's just a temporary alliance. I don't know. I kind of forgot everything when he gave that sultry look to the hard oh, camera. Yeah, no, that that steamy look. I tell, the internet is in love with that guy to a <laughs> somewhat creepy degree. Like when he when he signed with AEW and moved to the states, he was doing a couple of like jokey tweets about like, oh, I got my apartment, but I've never slept without a nightlight before just like kind of goofy like oh i'm alone yeah. in a new country it's scary and people got really creepily intense in their responses like okay he's he's an adult man he's he's joking you you, you don't need to actually like send him besides like, you don't have a chance his heart belongs to cinnabon oh my gosh <laughs> i've seen the tweets <laughs> but yeah so uh let's see uh Yuta then uh, slams Kenny onto the tacks uh, and pins him for the three count. A very nice m- moment for Yuta. Yeah, which I appreciate because there was there was always the risk that when you've got three guys who are so established in the faction, then Yuta, the up-and-comer, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's the guy who's always going to eat the pin or tap out or do whatever. So that he gets the pin and he gets the pin on Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega yep. is a great a great boost for Yuta. Who's, it is. It's, it's a good vote of confidence for yeah. him. And, I mean, I think it's been, like, his whole run into the Blackpool Combat Club and since has been just kind of a mark of just how much everybody involved uh, thinks this guy has to offer. And, honestly, it's, that's part of the reason that I think Takeshita might be aligned with them in, in the long term. Because I think a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the guys have also said how much they admire and how much they think he's got ahead of him on his, uh, in his American run. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, I think a lot of us were kind of wondering, are we going to see somebody else arrive? Nope. Maybe, maybe a certain someone whose uh, appearance on an upcoming AEW show has been teased, nope. or maybe somebody that Kenny uh, had worked with in Japan to set Absolutely up for Bidnor. But nope, we're just going to see uh, Wild Thing. I guess the uh, they reset the jaw of the lead singer, and he got back up, and they started playing again. And yep, celebrate in the ring as the Well, no, show he was wearing that mask. He was fairly protected. Oh, yeah, yeah, that probably absorbed most of it. You're welcome. And Matt hadn't had time to put his exploding shoes on yet, so... Yeah, so that is the end of our show, and overall, it was a pretty good one. Yeah. Let's see here. I just realized I don't think... Uh, give me a moment. I've got to check I think, my average for the show here. I think it was probably one of the, the better ones I've seen uh, out of, you know, all things considered. There wasn't really... There wasn't really a moment where I 
completely tuned out. Is I even on the best of shows, there's always those kind of moments sometimes. Yeah, I think there were a few matches that um, slumped a little bit. But sure, there was nothing. Even the ones that kind of. I don't want to be that guy who says that the women's matches for AEW were the weakest because that's it's one of those things that's become such conventional wisdom that I've become annoyed by it and I just kind of want to defend. That was a previous host gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, I think in one case you had the inability to, to really build a full match with Statlander and then the other right. hater working injured. So outside explanation, but I do think you did suffer a little bit of energy, but this match op- or this show opened incredibly. The Double main event, which I still can't say without almost retching, but uh, really was two of the best matches I've seen this year. Uh, overall, this show gets three and three quarters. Uh, yep, three and three quarters out of five exploding sneakers from me. Yeah. All right, so that is double or nothing. So, uh, Chris, I know that um, you said you don't really follow the weekly programming on AEW, no. but uh, do you have, so do you have any thoughts on Collision coming out? I'm sure it'll be neat. Yeah. <laughs> I really just, I wonder if he's, if he's regretting picking a, uh, a word, a title that conjures images of like great forces slamming into each other with horrific results. I just want this to happen so we can all move on. Yeah. It really would just make, make this part of wrestling boring again, please. He's, he's here now. So shut up about it. <laughs> Yeah, so let's see. We've got Collision coming up, and then uh, they've got Forbidden Door, I think, at the end of June. Mm-hmm. And then the next official all-out show is uh, All In in yep. August. And then the next WWE pay-per-view is on July 1st, Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. Ah, ah man. You got any picks for that one? Not to jump. I, I don't think they've actually settled who the uh, competitors are going to be this far out. But No, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rooting for LA Knight just because I love every time I see that guy. Oh, I don't think – I'll be cynical for a second. I don't think he's going to win. Probably not. <laughs> he, he deserves it too badly. All right. but um, So just going over some of the old categories because that is something I'd like to carry over. Uh, across this show, uh, Chris, who did you have as a workhorse for the event? The Pillars. I'll just say that right there. Yeah. The Pillars. They Because, I mean, I would love to highlight different people for different reasons, but – Ultimately, then their match, they ruled. It's just over. They just took yeah. my breath away. It it was one of those things that it, it seemed so inevitable that it seemed hard it could live up to what people had built it, and yet it really was just a chance for all these guys to show what they had. Uh, me, I'm going to go with... Yeah, I got to give it to Orange Cassidy. That guy yeah. just continues to be also like fair. a highlight of everything he does and just one of the most underrated workers on the roster. And again, hard to say because he is an acclaimed guy. Everybody loves him. He gets plenty of TV time. But every time I see him work, it's just like you forget how good this guy actually is at the wrestling. As I, I, I see a lot of uh, dislike online by various people for Orange Cassidy, but I don't get it. He's magic. Yeah. Some people just can't accept joy in their lives. All right, David, did you, uh, for the parts of the show that you watched with us, did you have a best actor that jumped out at you? Well, Robert, no, I did not. <laughs> okay. Uh, unfortunately, um, I did not watch enough of the pay-per-view to really give a definitive answer because uh, we were having some Memorial Day celebrations the day of the pay-per-view. Katie and I got here at like 1.30 in the afternoon. Oh, God. Uh, so by 9.30 that night, we realized our dogs had been up a long time. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know what, just for the sake of it, because I never thought I'd say this, I do have a favorite wrestler 
uh, and it's Orange Cassidy, so I got to give it to him. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, as someone who's done a little theater work with you, do you mind if I step in on the category? Oh, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. I'm going to have to say best actor goes to MJF. I sure. mean, again, conventional wisdom, but just the, the storytelling that guy does just with every part with face is, I think my favorite is he finds a spot in every match where he'll do a move, uh, that hurts a lot more than he was expecting it to. And mm-hmm. he, he will just have this shriek of both yes. pain and surprise. Yes, he doesn't like, try to tough guy. He yeah, just screams. Just, he just screams in pain. Flailing around, <laughs> howling in agony and holding like his, his knee or his back or whatever. I just, because he knows the audience loves to hear um, that. I guess, yeah, his, his pain is what they pay for. Praising MJF, you really are settling into the role of your predecessor. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, but this is this is genuine and measured instead of what the other guy did i i broke out my impression of him last time to uh defend some uh some heel psychology and uh just from the daggers that both gina and shelby were Felt dirty were didn't me it? at the time i was just sort of like i i can't make this a thing I, this isn't this isn't me man this isn't me all right uh chris did you it's have funny, a funny though did you have a best dressed sanjay dutt Okay. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention. We talked about the pencils. We didn't talk about his jacket. His jacket uh, stole the show because it is. It was a white suit jacket. There were pencils on both sleeves. Uh, there and on the back was a nice stylized drawing that was, that looked like a a watercolor painting, or not, or just a painting of uh, him and Jarrett and Lethal with a Briscoe on the farm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, yeah, there there are other good things. The Jericho Appreciation Society in their um, there's suit jacket, also suit jackets. Yeah, the sleeveless shirt jackets. It was actually kind of tame by their standards. True, and but well coordinated. It was, um, and it was black and gold, which I was wondering if yeah, that yeah. was a little bit of a a poke to the uh, undisputed era. Could be, uh, but yeah, they, those are those are pretty strong overall. Nice. All right. Well, let's see. I think that may just about wrap us up. Um, David, do you have anything you'd like to inform the listeners about? Uh, well, congratulations on your first episode as host. You came in at over two hours. I'm mad at you. Let's not do that again. Uh, but otherwise, well done. Um, Chris, are you ready to get back to Long Walk Talk soon? I, are we, are we going to do it? Uh, well, yeah. I, I kind of feel like with Shelby about to, you know, give birth one of these days and um, this show happening like once a month, we're going to be down to one podcast soon mm. if we don't. What will you do with yourself? I know. what My free time. Oh, I miss free time. Um, so, if, yes, uh, Long Walk Talks will be returning in June. Um, if you're continuing your theme of controversies, I could offer my opinions on some Supreme Court cases recently to give you all something to... That's a hard no. Okay. I don't like bringing real life into my... Don't worry. Uh, if it's still my turn, I've got the one that's going to make him and Stan angriest. Um, oh, I can't wait for that then. Rise yeah. of Skywalker is the qualified immunity of the Star Wars films. Let me tell... Well, this has been a really nice run as host for you, Robert. We got to go down and talk to dogs now. Um, but yeah, so we got uh, a whole lot of wrestling this week. Um, Thursday night, I'll be recording... Uh, this is a takeover for Shelby and Gina where we're, they're going to talk about, uh, night of champions for WWE. Yes. 
And then Friday night, the two of them will be doing a solo episode without me here as producer where they talk about uh, whatever the NXT pay-per-view was. So once oh, That's ag- right. They had one of those. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so once again, we find ourselves in a week with three wrestling pay-per-views, but I only have to produce two of them, which is nice for me because yes. Shelby's uh, taken over some of those duties. Yeah, we forget about NXT. You know, we might take our eyes off the ball, but Shawn Michaels never does as long as it's located three feet up the wall to his right. Uh, he's keeping his eye on at least two. Ah. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for us. We've got uh, two more wrestling, episode, or wrestling podcasts coming out this week and then Long Walk Talks coming back soon. All right, well... Thank you all very much for listening. I've been Robert Bradford. He's been Chris Barnes. And we will see y'all next time. I mean, I still am, but I have been too. Don't, don't break out the grammar tenses on me, man.